The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? New start, press any key. Where's the any key? Welcome, you've got mail. Well, I mustn't have been paying attention when you were just talking to me. Do you think that you could repeat the question? And I listen more attentively. There must have been something in all of that nothing that wasn't quite so easy. Frozen. I love it. Three seconds before we go on, everything freezes. Amazing. Wouldn't have Paul here to do the ba ba ba. I like that part. Alright, where are we here? Alright, I see it. Here we go. Hey, how you guys doing? Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention Podcast. It's the one-year anniversary of the Paying Attention Podcast. Uh, thank you for our one <laughs> studio <laughs> studio listener. <laughs> our one-year anniversary of the Paying Attention Podcast. We're in the 19th year of the Paying Attention show. Awesome. We started in 1999 at WCCM on a Saturday afternoon um, with the Paying Attention show radio it was a radio show at the time then we became a daily show and then we moved to uh we went from wccm in lawrence we went to w-e-z-e-w-r-o-l in boston then we ended up moving over to w-t-t-t in boston uh before we found uh uh morris cohen at wcap i had actually left radio to start the newspaper morris cohen from wcap called me and said hey you're not doing your show anymore i said no he said yeah i loved your show i used to listen to you all the time why don't you come to CAP and do like a Saturday show again? And I said, well, I'm running this newspaper. We just started this paper. It was probably around 2004, 2005. And I said, uh, I'm not really interested in going back into radio. I've, I actually kind of hate radio people. Uh, radio owners suck. Radio managers suck even more. And I'm really just kind of tired of doing radio and having people come into me during the break telling me, you can't say the word suck on the radio. It sounds low class. We're going to lose our audience. Oh, you can't, you can't pick on Elizabeth Warren because she's friends of the station. Like, I couldn't deal with any of that stuff anymore. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I'll come back to radio on the one condition that the minute I hit that microphone, nobody tells me what I'm allowed to say and not say. And Morris said, deal. So we brought the, Paying attention, radio show back to WCAP back in 2004, 2005. Uh, we were there until two years ago when um, the owner of the new owner of WCAP it got bought out by a guy named Sam Poulton. Came into my show one day and told me I wasn't allowed to talk about Elizabeth Warren because she got his kid a job at Comedy Central as the head writer. And I had just eviscerated Elizabeth Warren for something monumentally stupid she had just said. And uh, he came barreling into the. Uh, into the studio one day after telling me not to do it 
and started berating me on the air for doing it anyway. And so I just threw my hands up, turned off my microphone and said, that's it. I'm done in radio. And I walked out and made him finish the rest of my show. We were 10 minutes into a two hour show and I'm listening on the way home and he's talking about like gardening tips. He had no, he's, he's not a radio like guy on air guy. He was a radio station owner and he had to fill the show and I haven't been back to radio since. But about a year and a half later, John Bergeron, a friend of mine and a friend of Dave Garofalo here at uh, Two Guys Smoke Shop, uh, hired to... I had top two guys smoke shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Um, Jonathan came to me and said, look, you really need to get back into the game. Uh, I said, I'm not interested. He said, but I've already, I've already negotiated a deal for you. I'm like, you, without, me, without even telling me you negotiated a deal for me? What the hell is that all about? And he, apparently he sat down with Dave Garofalo. He worked out a deal where, oh, is that Blaze Girl? All discussion stops. Blaze Girl is here. Hold on. Oh, God bless you. You know, I drove around for an hour looking for these this morning. I did. I went into Cumberland Farms and I yelled at the lady because she didn't have any Blaze chips. Thank you so much. My goodness, my Blaze, my blaze potato <laughs> chips. If that doesn't get me on the snack authority, nothing will. So Jonathan Burridge on anyway, long story short, came to me and said he negotiated with Dave Garofalo to get me back on the air. I said, I'm not interested. He said, just go sit down with the guy. I think you're going to like what he has to say. Came in, sat down with Dave Garofalo, and within 20 minutes, we had a deal, and we're back on the air. And this is a year later. The Paying Attention show is back. We're now a podcast. We've changed all kinds of formats over the years, uh, but we are here. And one of the things since our first edition, since our first show, uh, that we've been missing and that is, uh, over the last six months, a news, a news girl, a news babe. And we had Kiana and Maddie at the beginning. Then we ended up getting Fred and Meredith. And, uh, and, and Meredith left me because she had a baby. And she's just, can you imagine like, taking care of her kids more important than doing my show? Can you believe that? Like, that's just outrageous to me. I, I still can't wrap my head around it. So I was talking to Kiana, who was, who was built, like a huge – like every time she was on the show, the emails coming in were unbelievable, right? Uh, and I was talking to Kiana, who, um, who uh, we've been hanging out a lot lately, right? We were having dinner yesterday. Yes. And uh, we were talking last week, and I said, you've got to come back to paying attention. You've, you've got to come back. First, A, we need eye candy. Nobody tunes into the show to watch my ugly face talk about news. If they're going to tune in visually, if they're going to tune in on Facebook, they're going to tune in because there's somebody hot to look at, and so we needed you. And she said, you know, it's funny. I've been meaning to talk to you about coming back and doing this. So Kiana is back with the news. So before, we've got a couple of guests here. We're going to call them up in a few minutes. Uh, but before we do, uh, something sorely lacking on this show, and that's just straight up news. So Kiana is going to take us out with the paying attention news straight from the Valley Patriot newsroom. All right. So today we're going to jump off in Methuen. In Methuen. Methuen, my favorite place. <laughs> Methuen. Uh, time is running out for the Methuen City Council after they cut $1.8 out of the police budget. Dopes. <laughs> after they learned that the previous city council approved a police contract with raises that they believed were too high. So they approved yeah, this budget you, and they're yeah, too high. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine this? Guys that go out and get shot at, there are people out there who are elected officials who think cops get paid too much. <laughs> I don't even get that at all. I'm sorry, go ahead. So, um, I'm going to try not to interrupt you, but I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> to compensate for that, the council made the cut early this summer after the school department overspent by $4 million. Not the police in the city had to borrow $4 million to pay the school bills. Wait a minute. So the schools overspent $4 million, but the city council cut $1.8 million out of the police budget? Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Yep. So despite the schools being 
Uh, you know, in the red for two years in a row, the city council at the discretion of Councillor Steve Saba decided to give the schools more money and cut the police budget. So the mayor of Methuen says that if the council does not put the 1.8 million back into the police budget, as many as 30, 30, 30, 30 cops will have to be laid off in January, which is only a couple of weeks away. You know, I got myself in trouble on this story when it initially happened. Because I came in here and I said that they should cut the police officers in Steve Saber's neighborhood first. Mm -hmm. So if something happens to his family, the cops get there last. You wouldn't believe the firestorm. The firestorm. Poor Dave Garofalo was getting phone calls left and right. People coming and threatening him. Take him off the air. He said mean things. He says mean things. And uh, Dave Garofalo, in response, came on the show the following week and was my guest. To show people that he wasn't taking me off the air. So unlike Sam Poulton, unlike uh, 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 Pat Coster at CCM, unlike Jimmy Carter in, in, in uh, WTTT, <laughs> we finally have a station owner that's going to back the people that are on the air. So I appreciate that, Dave. Thank you. He's here today. Thank you, Dave. So um, along with that, the mayor of Methuen has renegotiated the police superior officer's contract and is paying them right now at a lower wage than the previous council approved. But the councilors say that that's not enough and will not put the $1.8 million back into the budget. So this issue is going to definitely come to a head on January 7th at the next Methuen City Council meeting. So in the next meeting, January 7th, the police chief's going to get up and he's going to say, we have no money. Mm-hmm. And the council's going to say, that's because you're incompetent, because this is what they did last time he got up, right? Uh, that's because you can't manage it. Steve Saber actually said to him, well, if you can't manage your department with what we gave you, then maybe we should find someone who will. That's what he said. Just imagine, this is the guy that got mad that I said they should cut the cops in his neighborhood, right? Turns around, he starts berating the police chief, starts berating police officers. It's just unacceptable, Steve Saber. I just, I don't get it. Um, but this is coming to a head, Kiana. And come, come the 7th, the chief's going to get up and he's going to tell them we've got, we've got no money. We have to lay off cops. And they're going to try and make it look like it's Jim Jajuga's fault, the mayor of Methuen. Nothing would make me happier than to agree with him. Nothing. That guy's trying to shut down my newspaper. Hmm. He's suing us. He's trying to shut us down. He's trying to bankrupt me by lawsuit. And he's doing a good job, by the way. Um, but the fact is, I, I would not be doing my job if I came in here and said it's, it's Jim Jajuga's fault, as much as I'd like to. Jim Jajuga has renegotiated the police contract. He's paying them less than the original contract called for. The union agreed to it. And it's just not enough. So what the city council did was the school department was $4 million in the red this year. They were $2 million in the red the year before. They gave the schools more money this year. They didn't punish the schools for overspending their budget. They cut money, $1.8 million out of the police budget, gave, pretty much gave it to the schools. Right. Well, after all, after all the money gets moved around, that's essentially what happened. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think losing thirty cops in Methuen is a tragedy. Yeah. You're bordering Lawrence. You've got that Arlington neighborhood. There's a lot of gunshot calls over there. Um, I I follow them on the scanner. It's it's going to be tough. I feel bad for the officers that don't get laid off when they call for backup and there's nobody there to back them up because of Steve Saber. And I just hope that the voters of Methuen take it out on them in the next election. I don't know if they will, but I hope they do. Okay. So from there, we're going to move into Lawrence. We have breaking news in Lawrence. Breaking news. Breaking news in Lawrence. Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera has pulled the plug on public transparency in the police department. So as of last Friday, anyone turning into the police radio scanner were left disappointed only to hear static. So he's turned off all signals that you can listen to from the public onto police scanners, keeping it completely in the dark. Yeah. All right. Can so believe Re- that? Rivera and his new police chief, Roy Vasca. Vasca, I'm sorry. Vasca. Basque have implemented encryption of all police radio communications, meaning police calls will no longer be available to the public. 
This comes at the same time that Rivera is installing cameras all over the city to log and record what Lawrence residents are doing in their neighborhood. So we're going to cut the scanners, but we're going to implement security footage 24 hours a day. Mm Of unassuming people, but we can't have the transparency to... To monitor what they're doing. To know what is actually going on. Right. And I had a long conversation with the chief about this last night. I've also had a long conversation with the ACLU, who really seemed quite useless. Um, i got to be honest with you. I, I, I miss the old ACLU, the one that actually cared about civil liberties. They were like, well, you know, we looked this up when you made the initial complaint, and it doesn't seem like it's illegal. Right. There's a lot of things that aren't illegal that the ACLU takes people to court and makes illegal mm. by going in and saying this violates the Constitution, this violates public transparency. If they wanted to challenge this, they could. If they wanted to, it doesn't seem like they do. Although they're still kind of looking into it. They're studying it. They're going to have committee meetings, which usually means nothing's going to happen. They seemed much more concerned, Kiana, uh, when I spoke with the ACLU this morning, she seemed much more concerned about the fact that they're putting cameras in Lawrence than the fact that they're cutting the police scanner. And I'm kind of the other way. I'm like, look, if you want to put, as long as we can monitor what cops are doing and they want to put, poli- they want to put cameras in the neighborhoods and we know they're not abusing it because we can monitor on the police scanner, then I, I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I mean, I don't want a police state where the cops are logging and monitoring everything we're doing. But if we can watch them and we can monitor them because we're the public and they're public servants and they work for us, then I'd be okay with it. But doing the two together, uh, I, to me, that just makes Lawrence a police state. Now, crime is going to go down. Great. But at what, at what cost? Right. At what, look, we could, we could end uh, uh, a former Lawrence police chief once said to me, you know, I could end all crime in Lawrence tomorrow if we just suspend the Constitution. <laughs> Declare martial law and suspend the Constitution. All crime would, would be gone. But that's not the kind of country we want to live in. And this, what's going on in Lawrence now, this is not the America I was promised when I was growing up. This is not the America that I want to live in. Right. So we're hoping that they're going to give an exemption to the press. I've put an appeal into the chief to maybe give an exemption to the press. Uh, he kind of said no, but he's also going to, he said he's going to stay open-minded. He's going to look at it. Um, I'm hoping that they do that. At least if they let the press monitor the police calls with some kind of guidelines in place, uh, at least we know that they're not abusing their, their position. Because look, most of the 99% of the guys in Lawrence on the Lawrence police are great cops. They're honest cops. They're not bad cops. But there's still that 1% or 2%, the Bill Greens of the world out there, who abuse their authority. And if we can't monitor them, who's to say the next chief, who's to say that the next chief five years from now isn't going to install facial recognition system and license plate readers into these cameras in every neighborhood and start logging where every car and every person is at all times to use against you later on. Hmm. That's England. I don't want to be England. That's Sweden. I don't want to be them either. Like we have a constitution. We should have transparency in government and nobody loves the cops more than I do. But I don't see this ending well at all for us. Well, as it stands right now, um, federal law enforcement officials already have cameras at all entrance and exit points in the city, as well as at the bridges that separate North and South Lawrence. So civil um, libertarians say that Lawrence is becoming a police state, which mm-hmm. is something that you had actually just touched on, which is exactly the the way that it feels like it's going to go when this plays out. Um, Lawrence Chief um, Vass says that he is doing it for the officer safety and has data to back up all of his efforts. Yeah, and listen, I don't disagree with what he's what he's trying to what he's trying to do. What he what he's trying to what he's what he's saying is that look, we know that when we catch a burglary la- ring, they have scanners and they've been monitoring how quick 
of the police response time is to an alarm call at a building, right? So a place that wants to rob a jewelry store, they'll go out and they'll, they'll trip alarms in different buildings and then monitor how quick the cops can respond. And I get that he wants to cut all that out. I, guess, I, I get that the drug dealers are monitoring to see where the cars are so they know what neighborhood they can go do crimes in because they know where the cops are, right? But there's got to be another way. There's already a scrambled channel that all police departments use for sensitive calls. So if they're going to go and they're going to serve a warrant for somebody who's wanted for murder, they do it on the scramble channel so that the guy wanted for murder can't hear it on the scanner. They've already got that. There's no need to put the regular calls, accidents, fires, domestics, shots, fired calls. There's no need to put those calls on an encrypted channel. In my my belief, um, I like Roy Vasque. I think what he's doing in the Lawrence Police is amazing. He's cut violent crime. 65% 65% in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, at what cost? I don't know. Absolutely. So also in Lawrence, um, former city councilor Sandy Almonte says that she is running for mayor in three years. <laughs> Wait, what? Yep. So <laughs> councilor Sandy Almonte says that she's running for mayor in three years as Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera is in his second four-year term and cannot run for re-election. So since he can't run again... She's going to step in and run out. But he's like just starting his second year of a four-year term. Yeah, she's ahead of the game. Yeah, she's three years ahead of the game. Wow. Anybody else thinking of running for this job three years into the game? I might do it. You might, yeah? Maybe. Three years. You get three years to figure it out, right? Do do I have to move to Lawrence? You probably have to do that, though. All right. Well, I have time. Unless you're an illegal alien, then you really don't have to. Then you can just do whatever you want. Almonte is the first to declare for mayor in 2021. Also rumored to be looking at the city's top spot are Lawrence Councilor Brian DePina. Councilor, Council President Kendris and Ken, yeah, Vasquez, Vasquez. Yeah. and of course Willie Lantigua, who we refer to as the gift that keeps on giving. Oh boy, if only Willie could run again and win. I might even hold a sign for Willie this time. Even Willie Lantigua wouldn't do what Dan Rivera is doing right now in Lawrence. Even Willie wouldn't be doing it. Although maybe if you get a kickback, maybe he would. Who knows? Because we, we all know what kind of mayor Willie was. Um, Boy, the mayor's race in Lawrence. I, I don't. I don't. I have no idea what to think of Dan Rivera. Fifty percent of the time, Dan does something, and I go, "That's the greatest thing anybody's ever done for Lawrence." The other fifty percent of the time, Dan does something, and I sit there and I think, "This guy is worse than Willie Lantigua." <laughs> and there's really no in between. He's either a hundred percent right or a hundred percent wrong. Like with the um, throwing the homeless out in the cold. wrong. How the hell do you do that? Allowing the police, allowing Chief Vask to run his department. He didn't didn't let the last chief run his department. He micromanaged under Chief Fitzpatrick. Under the new chief, he's letting him do his own thing. I think 100% right. Let the cops run their own show. But I I, I don't get it. And it's going to be a tough, there's going to be a city council race this year. Um, I actually have some breaking news. I got it on my way in that our good friend Jorge Gonzalez my good friend Jorge Gonzalez going to be running for city council. And he's going to be running against who? Uh, Kendris Vasquez? going to be running against Kendris Vasquez, who's the president of the city council. And I, I think I'm with George Gonzalez 100% of the way on that one. Um, real, do you have another news story? Because I want to tell you a real quick story. I have one more. Yeah. All right. Um, so a couple of years ago, a police officer came to me and said, I need you to get information to Kendris Vasquez. I've got some criminal information about the guy that's running against him. And so I went, I found Vasquez. He was at a fundraiser. We went outside and I said, listen, this is what I was told. And I, you need to know that the guy running against you has this in his background. And he said, who's the cop that told you that? They shouldn't have told you that. 
Who told you that? You shouldn't have that information. He was more concerned about how I found out the friggin' information than he was the information that I was giving him. And I said, this is a guy that wants to pander to the insiders. All he cares about is the insiders. There's no way I could ever support this guy. After that conversation, I said, this, he doesn't get the basic concept of, of serving the public. Like, I just gave you some good inside information that I shouldn't even have. I shared it with you, and you're more concerned about how, where I got it. Then you are the fact that there's a there's criminal stuff in the background of the guy running against you. Mm. So given that, how could I ever support that guy for anything? I mean, really, he's just he's just a, a scaled down Dan Rivera. <laughs> That's all. Anyways, um. studio audience like that one, I guess. <laughs> Well, my last story comes um, actually from Woburn. 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 Oh, yeah. We were there last night. In Woburn. Last so night, sad. dozens of police officers from around the state joined friends and family members of slain Woburn police officer Jack McGuire at a candlelight vigil on the spot where the officer McGuire was gunned down just eight years ago outside of a Coles department store. McGuire encountered uh, career criminal Dominic Sinelli. Yep. After he robbed the jewelry counter at the Coles the day after Christmas in 2010, Sinelli shot and killed Officer McGuire in that chase, but not before McGuire was um, able to connect on, a, on the radio that he had been shot, but also that he had returned fire, killing Sinelli. Good. Well, this is one good thing about that one. So Sinelli had been paroled two days earlier. So two days before this actually happened, um, he had been paroled by um, then-Governor Deval Patrick, even though Sinelli had been sentenced three life terms for his previous violent crimes. So he's released on parole after three life sentences. He goes out, he commits this horrible crime under Governor Deval Patrick, and it was Governor Patrick's parole board that released Sinelli because he got his GED in prison that stopped him from committing violence in the prison a few years earlier. Isn't that great? So uh, our, first, our hearts go out to uh, Desiree McGuire, Jack McGuire's widow, and his family. We know them well. Uh, we've been we've been in contact with them since the night that this happened. I was actually listening to the scanner the night this happened. It was one of the most harrowing things I've ever heard on a on a police scanner. Um, this Dominic Sinelli, by the way, he was paroled by the parole board. Most of the parole board members were replaced after that happened. But the parole board has done absolutely nothing to stop the next Dominic Sinelli from being paroled because he took his GED classes in in in, in prison. Um, he had been he had been not a model prisoner. He had been committing so much violence in in the in prison uh, that that he wasn't even eligible for parole. He wasn't even eligible for like extra like you know extra uh, whatever they give to the prisoners you know, like extra goodies, right? Right. And then all of a sudden, for two years, he committed no violence at all because he realized that if he got his GED and took a Toastmasters class, they were going to let him out. This guy was served three life sentences by a Michael Dukakis judge for the violence that he had committed against other people. And somehow the liberal Democrats thought, yeah, but he took a GED class and he went to Toastmasters. Of course he's not violent anymore. Let's let him out. And then Deval Patrick had the nerve, A, to defend the decision to release Dominic Sinelli after he murdered Jack McGuire. And on top of that, had the absolute friggin' nerve to show up at the funeral and speak. Demanded to speak. And I talked to the family members that day. They said they wanted no part of it, but he's the governor and they didn't want to make it. They didn't want to, they didn't want to make the story about that because they knew the media would get a hold of that if they said they didn't want the governor to speak. So they just let him speak. But I just thought it was the height. He caused the death of Officer McGuire and he had the nerve to show up at their funeral and pretend that he cared about it and then did nothing about it. Like we had to force, those of us in law enforcement had to force 
the governor's office to revamp the entire parole board and what the uh, what, what the uh, requirements were for people getting out on parole. And if you read the parole report, if you if you just if you just Google Dominic Sinelli, it's C I N E L L I. If you just Google Dominic Sinelli and read uh, on the Valley Patriot, we've posted it, the parole report. It's outrageous that the that the that the causative the, the words were the causative factors that made him create violence were no longer present, as if that there's there's a causative factor that makes us make bad decisions, right? So, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe he was aggravated one day, but he's not aggravated anymore. We're going to let him out of prison. Like, wait, what? So our hearts go out to Jack McGuire. Our hearts go out to, I mean, to the family of Jack McGuire, Desiree McGuire, and uh, his brother, I think his name is Greg, uh, and, and all of law enforcement. It's a very touching candlelight vigil that they have every year. And, um, boy, we just hope that there isn't going to be another one for a while, but I have a feeling that there is. It's just the way that Massachusetts is. You know, they let people out on parole that are violent because, well, look, even even Donald Trump, it's one of the things I don't like that Donald Trump is doing. He's signing this criminal justice reform to let people out of prison. Crime is at its lowest point now in, in American history. The reason is because most of the criminals are in prison. I don't understand how letting prisoners out is actually going to help that. But, you know, it's just that's just the way that it is, I guess. We'll see what happens. Anything else? No, that's all I got for you. I think we have, maybe I didn't send it to you, uh, we have uh, uh, another breaking story. Why don't you come on up, Nick? Uh, we have another breaking story uh, in the city of Methuen. God, I love talking about Methuen. Love talking about Methuen. They're just so dysfunctional. It's awesome. Just tailor-made for this show. In the city of Methuen, we talked a little bit about the school department in the first story uh, being $4 million in the red. And the city council cutting $1.8 million out of the police budget. Uh, we have a member of the Methuen School Committee with us. Nick DiZoglio is with us, who uh, sits on the school committee. You're in your first term, right? First term, Nick DiZoglio? Second, Second term. term. You're in your sex, so then it's all your fault then. I was going to give you a free pass if you were in your first term, but I guess it's all your fault. Ah, Okay. All right. So you, you had an announcement first before I give you a hard time. I did. I did. I um. I know there was a lot of talk going around the city last few weeks, and I thought it would be a good chance for me to get out. And uh, You're running for mayor. Oh, no. No, no it's too no, bad. We've no. got to get somebody to run against that guy. No, no, not running for mayor. I will be staying for a third term. So you're going to be running for re-election I'll be running this year? for re-election. So that's this coming board. November, right? Because yeah. we're almost into January. So Papers I'm considering go this. out in May, if I recall, and yeah. they're due by July. So I wanted to get in... in, in um, and, and have conversations starting up front, especially with, um, you know, some people turning over on the school board themselves. And Who's turning over now besides? Well, Bob's retiring. Well, that, that's a blessing for everyone. He's an oracle of information, though. He's got uh, 40 years behind him. So um, he, he, he's But his whole, function, his whole function on that board, though, is to protect the insiders. Like, he is a smart guy. I don't deny him that. Yeah. But every vote that you guys take when I watch, I mean, it was he didn't really want a whole lot of transparency when it came to firing Judy Scannell. You know, again, Bob's got 40 years of, of uh, experience. He, he does know a lot of folks within the education system, not just in Methuen, but across the Commonwealth. Of I'm sure he loves puppies, too. He just does a terrible <laughs> job as a school committee. Uh, he's been reelected multiple times. So, I, I mean, I, his record speaks, to, speaks for himself. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, again, 40 years. He's like the Joyce Campagnone of the school committee. He's really smart. He's got a lot of institutional knowledge. But when it comes down to it, he's really just there to protect the insiders. But he's only stayed on the school board. You, you, I would I agree with you in a certain extent that 
if if he was running for city council and going back and forth, he, he's never done that. Yeah, he's been on the school committee um, continuous. Right. Well, I mean, I get that he's your colleague, and you kind of have to defend him, but I'm I'm not. So I, that's I fine. I, I mean, I'll defend any of my colleagues on that board, and, and DJ Deeb is another one that's termed out. We want to make sure. Oh, good. We want to make sure he never gets elected to anything ever again. Uh, again, DJ has got educational value as well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a teacher, listen, a professor. He's been writing for my newspaper for about 10 years. He's been a friend of mine, or so I thought, for the last maybe 10, 15 years since he was a Drakeit school committee member on the Drakeit vocational school board. Um, but boy, the damage that guy's done. I mean, I just, I can't even, just just in the last like six months, I, I, I just, I, I look at him and I go, I'm glad, A, I'm glad he's turned out, and B, I hope he doesn't run for city council. You know, the difference between myself and, and some other members potentially, um, you know, DJ, because he, I know he's he's does write opinion pieces for your paper. And even though he attacked me in the last edition, I'm, I'm continuing to publish his stories. And that goes to character. So thank you for that, yeah. Freedom of Press. Um, I, you know, I'm a school committee member. I'm not a city councilor, mm-hmm. nor will I speak on any city topics or um, or try to be a, a you know throw out an opinion of mm-hmm. them. Um, I don't. I, again, my colleagues on the city council th- that their job is to run the city. My mm-hmm. job is to run the schools um, as the vice chair and uh, to continue to support the the students, the parents, and the transparency within the administration. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you a couple of tough questions. And by the way, I appreciate you coming on because you knew you were going to get some tough questions because uh, you and I. Again, a lot. again, you and I, are, I, I still consider you a friend. I mean, we were very different on I the respect, aisles. I respect that you take the tough questions. Like, yeah. there are other people in Methuen that won't come on this show because they don't want to answer the tough questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those tough questions is, you remember the school committee while Judy Scannell was a fake superintendent with no certification, with no license, and nobody said anything. Mm-hmm. Like, she... she it's, when I called the when I called the Department of Ed, I said, "How did you guys let them get away with this? How did you let her get away with this?" And their answer was, "It's up to the local school board to make sure that their superintendent is certified and licensed." You're on the school board. How come you didn't do that? So you know this this dates back way before me. Um, you know, Judy, uh, the former superintendent, um, has done a lot for this this school board department and and the community as a whole so her character speaks there um but the waiver or any conversation of her becoming a principal or a superintendent dates back almost 10 to 20 years ago and i'm turning 30 this august so if if something that i was a part of today dates back to when i was 10 years old i mean sure you know we could you could put the blame on us now but i do know that the recent extension of the former superintendent's uh, contract came straight from the mayor's office the mayor approved it mayor reviewed it not this current mayor our former mayor Mm -hmm. um and, and and we approved my understanding of the uh, evaluation process is that we evaluate the superintendent, and that goes back to the Department of Education to evaluate. Again, I, you know, it's a checks and balances. It's a learning curve for me now on this. This is something that I am going to be tough on going forward. I thought, because we have a, a board of education and a secondary educational um, organization within the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Totally useless. I would have expected that this would have been something that they would be checking on a regular basis. Yeah, no. So not now, really, and so we all. So it's not your fault. Here. I get that it's not your fault, but then when the vote came up to either accept her resignation or to fire her, which would have triggered a public hearing where there would be transparency and people could actually investigate how this happened, you kind of took a walk and you voted to just accept her resignation to accept her retirement. We were sitting in limbo 
for almost a month there, um, or three weeks at that point. And uh, going back and forth between legal, um, the original conversation was that she was going to resign or retire. I wasn't going to accept a, a retirement um, notice. Um, this was definitely something that you couldn't retire on. Uh, when it came down to firing a resignation, um, based off of the, the, the legal advice and additional um, information that we were provided at the time in executive session, we went ahead and, and voted for uh, you know, accepting a resignation. Also, the school department was sitting in limbo. We were we were trying to figure out who was going to take the lead on the next steps of moving the school forward. We were just starting the school day. Um, it was like the first week of September going into this vote. You had teachers starting. You had brand new teachers starting. You had students coming to the school system. You have new parents moving into the school system trying to set up their kids. And you have all of our leadership trying to figure out who's the top dog here right now. We wanted to make sure that we had a seamless transition point at that point. By continuing uh, an investigation or uh, firing her, it would have just led to more uncertainty. And and, I, and to be honest with you, I, well, why you- I agree to in, in, in the vote because I think she took responsibility by resigning. Regardless if we fired her or not, it, it wouldn't have led to, it, it wouldn't affect her pension on our end. We do not control her pension. Right, but what it would have done that is it, it would have gone to Boston mm-hmm. for review, which Boston was going to review regardless if she resigned or if we fired her. So there was realistically no other point of, of firing her. Well, there was one. Other than having it draw out for a week or two more and probably not have a superintendent to show up for it. Right. Well, it would have done one other thing. There would have been public transparency, and there could have been the beginning of an investigation as to how this happened. We still don't know today how it is that Judy Scanner was a principal for 10 years with no license and no certifications, and that a search committee looked into her background and recommended her to be the superintendent, even though she had no license as a principal, and then she moved forward as a superintendent with no license as a superintendent and no no uh, um, um, certifications as a superintendent. And nobody wants to know how that happened. Nobody wants to know who did that, who was in, who, I mean, you had former members of the school committee that were on that original search team, like, I don't want to mention Gary Marcoux, who whose job it was to look into her background as a principal and see that she was certified for pushing her forward, pushing her recommendation mm-hmm. forward. Nobody wants to know any of it. Nobody wants, there's no, inv- as of right now, unless you can tell me differently, my understanding is there's no investigation still as to who knew about it and how she was pushed forward, given that as a, as a principal, she had no license. Like, shouldn't you guys be doing that? Shouldn't the school committee be, be investigating I think how at, this happened? At this point, we, I mean, you're new. It's not your fault. But now that you're here. I think at this point, we have accepted the resignation. And just I, move along. And nothing and, to see here. And, and not even that, though. It's create policies that we going forth that this will never happen again. So we want to move forward, but we don't, know, we don't want to find out how this happened. And for me, at this point in time, I'm more concerned about our current state. Yeah. Than the past. Yeah. The, the past is, the, unfortunately, the past at this point where you have a school system that is at, uh, you know, an approved level than it was when she first started. So, I mean, for me, I think the superintendent did a, an amazing job. Uh, again, certification or not, she did her job as a superintendent. Um, she didn't ask for a pay increase throughout that whole 10 years, and um, I think she did her due way up until that point of be even becoming a superintendent. Listen, I don't want to um, 
I don't want to besmirch Judy Scandal. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. I've met her. Mm-hmm. I've always liked her. We've always gotten along. Um, I'm sure she's done some great things for the schools. But how does a school department, how does a school committee, which is elected by the public, which is supposed to be about transparency, mm-hmm. back to our transparency issue, right? Mm-hmm. How does a school committee just say, we're going to move along and we're not going to bother to look and see who it is that's responsible for allowing this to happen? I, I just, I still don't, I, I get, I, the, I I get think, that you want to look forward. I, but think, I think the person that was responsible is no longer with us. I mean, that, that's... Well, you had search committee members who put her name forward. Who should have done their due diligence ten years ago? Though. Right, but some of those I mean, some of those people might still be working in the schools. Some I, of those people I, might still yeah. be around. And I, I see if this was a police department and they allowed somebody to be a police chief and he wasn't certified and he never went through the academy, and then they found out ten years later and they fired him. I don't think anybody would go. Okay, well, let's just move along. Let's just create a policy to make sure it doesn't happen again. I'm pretty sure there'd be a big investigation as to how this happened. Mm-hmm. No, and that's your opinion on this. I mean, the facts are that um, she received the waiver early on. And and again, for 10 years, it it seemed like that was all that was provided. And uh, looking into it further, again, it was more of a uh, the state was going to either investigate or they were going to take the pension into consideration. And again, that was on the state to to move forward with. And for us at the time and in current time, it's to move forward to find a brand new superintendent because our school system is currently with seven unfunded union contracts. Um, you you had a deficit last year. Um, we got uh, appropriated additional funding this year. And, um, you know, these are the issues that we need to continue to stay on track is to, to make sure that Methuen public schools are no longer used as the city's, uh, I guess, balancing act when it comes to the budget. Um, you know, you said earlier t- to the fact that, you know, Methuen was two years in the hole. Um, the 2000- Yeah, your schools were $4 million in the red last year, and you were a million-something the year before. No, 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 no. 2016 to 2017, Methuen Public Schools voted to cut $1 million from the budget, mm-hmm. which put us back under Mayor Zani. When we had that vote done, we were in the green. We were we balanced the budget. We were looking at chargebacks at the time to make sure that we got allocated additional funding through the chargebacks program. When Mayor Jajuga came in 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 January, we came um, as a whole to the committee, um, and it was brought to the attention to us and to the superintendent while we were looking at warrants and additional funds that we were going in the red in February of 2018. At February 2018, this was brought in front of the mayor during the budget conversations, and the former superintendent did bring it forth that we were in the red and we were trying to figure out what that number would be at the end because we were still looking for circuit breaker funding and additional Chapter 70 funding. Has has the has the and I know we're supposed well I know we're late for a break, but this is just so fascinating. Um, have there been and I've been told there are, and so I put it on Facebook and then. People like you call me and say, no, that's not true. So I just want to get this out. Have there been raises given in the schools since the since the $4 million no, deficit? No. So, what, so no, what you're there's looking, no raises going so, on in the schools. So certain the definitions of raises is not the actual terminology. Okay. It's, how about a raise in pay? No, it's called step increases. Okay. Have there been any – Step Has increases? anybody made yes. more money this year than the year before yeah. given that there's a $4 million deficit? Yes, because it's called a contractual step increase. Right. Every school system across the country has a step increase for teachers that are going from one level of education to the next level of education or yearly increase. 
increase. So if a teacher is brand new today with their bachelor's degree, they might get a, a $2,000 step increase next year. But if they got their master's degree within that three-year term, they would go into a different step increase. Um, Can the schools ask for a pay freeze? Can the schools say, look, we're, we're in a deficit. We're having a problem. We have to do a pay freeze. Uh, so then you run into an unfair labor practice, um, which then the unions will come after you and you, you, the city can Same be Same problem as the school to, as the police, And right? the city would be fined twice to three times the salary. So you're running into those problems. Right. But when it comes to the actual contractual status of these contracts, no, there weren't any one, two, three percent increases added to their, their step increases. No. We have to take a quick break. Uh, can we just hold you for like another five minutes? And we've got some other other guests. We're going to pull yeah. up in a couple of seconds um, after this. Um, Ed Sullivan, our fine, fine producer, yes. our third producer in the in the year that we've been on paying attention. I don't know what that says. <laughs> <laughs> He's the crazy one that lasted. I really cried when we lost Mr. Jonathan. Not as much as I cried when we lost Meredith, though. We need Meredith back. I keep telling her, is your kid grown up yet? Still like two years old. What am I going to do? Back after this, I'm paying attention. A&M Auto Body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there. He does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hit you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to A&M Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence. On Inman Street, Angel will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person and you're short... I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed... Make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. With the, it, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If, you were, if you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can, they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, he specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, he specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car 
He used to work for Charlie Dears Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was the credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and, um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North Andover line. I sent you an instant message, Ed, Ed Sullivan, when you get a second. Just type it back to me if you can. Hi, Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention Podcast Segment 2. It's our one-year anniversary show. Kiana is back. She only has one name, Kiana. That's her name. That's me. She's a hottie, and uh, we have to have her here because she's a hottie. And uh, we, we needed eye candy for the show, and we lost Meredith, and we still can't get her back. And Kiana said, no, I really want to come back. I said, yeah, this would be perfect. We need eye candy for the show. And she actually does a pretty good job doing news. So Thank you. We want to help her with her career, and hopefully maybe, maybe she'll get picked up by a national. Like, look at her. wouldn't pick her up, right? <laughs> so I'm expecting a phone call from Fox at the end of the show. Sitting here with us today also is Nick DeZogway. He's a member of the Methuen School Committee. And Nick has announced that he is running for re-election. I've been throwing a lot of tough questions at him. He's handling them pretty good. I mean, I don't agree with all of his answers, but at least he's here to answer the questions. Mm. And there's a lot of um, there's a, there's a lot of elected officials that are pansies. They'll they'll surround themselves with people that agree with them. They go out after the meetings with the people that agree with them, that vote the way they do, that are their friends. But they won't come in and they won't answer the tough questions. You, you I mean, there are certain city councils in Methuen you'll never see on this show. Steve Saber will never come on this show because he can't. He just can't handle the questions. So I, I appreciate, even though we don't agree on a lot, I appreciate that Nick DeZaglia was here. And I want to give him at least another five minutes because there's some stuff going on in the Methuen schools I think people need to know about, especially given that you, the taxpayers, are now paying for it. And I don't mean the Methuen taxpayers, I mean the state taxpayers of Massachusetts just mm-hmm. lent $4 million to the to the Methuen schools to help them with their, with their uh, deficit, with their debt. So, you know, based off of that information too is you know taxpayers this year across the commonwealth are actually picking up the bill on a lot of these cities this year alone 27 school districts received uh, a negative number within education so that could have been the final cost or uh, certain line items uh lemonster was another one that went out for a home rule petition they were six million in the hole uh between two years uh, fall river uh, Boston, Lowell. Lowell's currently still in the hole right now, 2.4, 2.8. They were actually $8 million in the hole, uh, and they received uh, grant funds from the state. Um, and they're actually in the process of potentially laying off certain departments. Uh, so this is a bigger Commonwealth issue, not just a Methuen issue. And I have to echo that. Yes, it's, it's it doesn't, a huge doesn't make problem. It, doesn't it doesn't make, make it, it okay. okay. You're uh, right. It, it, no, you're absolutely right. But we're not in the business to make money in the school departments. That's not the point. Um, you know, you have city t- cities like Everett, which was in ten million in the hole. Everett picked up the bill. They had a city stabilization fund. They had a fiscal responsibility within that city, and they paid that bill off. Yeah, Methuen doesn't have that. You got but, nothing in your but, reserves. But you're, you're saying right now the school department caused the four million. Yeah, we did, but it's really the city went over four million. Right. If it wasn't us, it could have been another department. Right. And 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 not to single out any other departments in the area, but we are the largest department within the city of Methuen. Uh, we have the largest staff. Um, we also have one of the highest um, populations of students that come in and out uh, in the district area right now. We're the 14th largest school district in the Commonwealth. 
um, and and the third in this area between Lawrence, Methuen, and ha uh, Lawrence, Haverhill, and uh, Lowell. So you know we have a, a right and 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 a, a responsibility to make sure that these kids get the education that they do. But Methuen has a fiscal problem. It's Methuen. We've we've gone years and years of just sitting at that levy. We, we cut the budget of the school system multiple times over the years. So when you try to cut a budget that's been cut several times, you're like, like the police, you're level funded. Well, again, I'm not going to speak on any city issues, but we do have SROs in our schools, which means what, which means they are on the chopping no, block. What is SRO? Oh, SRO is a, is a school resource officer just for the people at home. Yeah. School resource officer. We, 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 the Methuen school committee for, de for, for several years now, it's going on eight years. And four under me, that we have made sure that we had a, a, a cop designated to each of these schools. Uh, so we have five schools. We have five officers. So in Methuen, you've got a good guy with a gun in each of these schools. Correct. Uh, and I would imagine that that was probably a reaction to all the school shootings that have been going on in the last eight years. I think it's more for the, the students to understand that they feel safe in the schools. Because mm -hmm. and, and we hear all over the country that uh, the solution isn't more people with guns in schools, even cops. I mean, the Democrat Party has been 100% against putting cops in schools. Methuen's doing it pretty successfully. Well, absolutely. And it's not just to have, a, I guess, in your terms, a gun in the school. It is these resource officers are doing residency checks. They're sitting in the schools, meeting each of these students, getting to know these kids. It, it's amazing how some of these students would go to them before, you know, they're even their own parents. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any drug uh, any drug issues in the schools, they are there to help, and then they put them in a program and help them get through that process. So the national story we're being told, and I always say this on every show, if you want to know if the national narrative we're being told on CNN is true, look at the local level to see if it's true. And... The, na the narrative on the national level is putting cops in, in schools is bad. Having more people with guns in schools is bad. Uh, that's not going to help. You're saying in Methuen it actually does. I'm saying we have – I'm always going to have a cop in that school. I'm going to always have a designated cop in that school. And, and uh, gun or not, it's more the, the responsibility and, and um, – I guess you could say the, the perception that we're putting out there is that we have someone of authority that can come in and assist outside of the principals and, and, and the students that may need that extra help or that extra push um, in the classroom or outside the classroom um, when it comes to, you know, drug abuse or, again, a safety concern. But, you know, we are currently facing uh, an issue within Methuen where you said earlier that we're going to have... Uh, police, 30 cops, I think you yeah, said. Yeah, 30 cops 30. getting laid off. In my eyes, I want to save five of them. And, and um, I'm not going to speak on, the, you know, again, on behalf of the city council, because again, I'm not there. I'm not voting on it. But if they are cut, I will propose to the mayor and to the school committee to go in front of the city council to appropriate money for these five cops, because mm -hmm. they are on the chopping block. Some of these cops. I'm pretty sure Steve Saber and McCarty and the rest of them are going to say no to that. I hope not. I hope not. And I. They're I, very anti-cop. I, I again, again, I can't speak about my city council colleagues. I don't. Un, I don't understand the whole um, process that they are going through right now. Yeah, with this. I don't understand how you guys were four million in the red, and they gave the schools more money this year than they gave last year. So, but the but the but the police had a level-funded budget, and they took money out of their budget to punish them. Let me finish this thought, and I'll go to that. Sure. Quickly. Then I got one more question. Then I got some yeah. other guests I want to. So, get. SROs though these 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 gentlemen currently. These five gentlemen, um, 
they are uh, through our chargebacks. They are 70% of their budget is through the school department's chargebacks each year. So they are, they're part of the original number that we send to the state, which is like $92 million. So we pay for 33% of the, the city solicitor's budget, the, the auditor, the, the treasurer. We pay 33% of their salaries, along with other miscellaneous items across the board. So for us to lose these SROs, it won't affect our initial budget. But for us to go and, and, and appropriate money for it, um, we're going to either need those five officers in the school or we're going to have to have some sort of security firm come in and protect these schools. Because Final question, because um, we're up against time. You were $4 million in the red last year when the superintendent, before she left, came before the city council. She said that you're probably going to run into a deficit again next year because of the funding formula for special ed, right? That that's what caused this problem. Since that formula hasn't changed, I assume you're going to have another $4 million deficit No, this no, year. because what had happened was is we were at a $73 million budget for the year of 2015 into 2016. We cut a million dollars. That came down to $72 million. So we didn't go up. We didn't get the 2% percent three percent that we should have got which would have put us to at about 75 76 million we actually cut money from the budget so we went to 72 million we went 3.8 million dollars in the hole if we got our three million or three percent plus the million that we lost we would have probably been about eight hundred thousand in the hole maybe a million in the hole you just lay off some mid-level administrators that could take you like two salaries you'd be well we did lay off we laid off all our deans that were overseeing all of our um uh, I guess you could say disciplinary issues that we had within the school department. Now that's fallen back on the principals. And and that's a whole nother conversation about reorging the, the, the school department next year. But but Mayor Jajuga did the first thing in, in a long time was to finally put the school department back to where it should have been back in 2017, 2017. 18, which is at that 77 million mark. He gave us an extra million because the school, uh, the city council pushed him to give him a, give us the extra million, and that was 78 million. So now we should be on track to get two to three percent going forward, and that will put us back on a on a normal track for the next, um, hopefully the next decade if we keep on pro, uh, appropriating two to three percent. Final thoughts: um, You're going to be running for re-election. Why should the people of Methuen elect any reelect any member of the Methuen City Council after what's going on? School in the committee. Last, I'm sorry, school committee over the last year. Again, we, we've no user fees. I'm one of the the many that uh, will protect that. I, I don't think a student that or a family of four or even one um, child that pays taxes to the city should spend on buses, on sports, on parking. Well, parking. <laughs> Whoopsie. Parking's a different conversation. It's a luxury in my eyes, but um, still a user fee, right? You guys, are, you guys are now charging a hundred dollars for students to park at the high school. Ten dollars a month. Ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ten dollars. I know month. there's tons of outrage over it. I can't figure it out either, but I figured I'd throw uh, it in. I mean, it, it could it could be six hundred dollars. It could be three hundred dollars. It's it's a hundred dollars right. a year. And where's that money going? It's going straight back into the infrastructure of that parking lot okay. and the parking lots around the school. Uh-huh. Um, Considering the fact that the traffic of that school has increased oh, it's huge. drastically, I go, I go by there when school's getting um, out. It's crazy. The school, the, the, that whole parking lot needs to be reconfigured, uh, reconfigured, relined, redesigned, um, new lights, and also we want to uh, 
the bus loop mm-hmm. area. We also want to redesign that and, and actually move the the high school ice rink entrance to the mm-hmm. back of the building instead of having the traffic go through the performing arts wing and, and, and through the auditorium, that area. Um, so there's a lot of things that we want to do. And, and I think I could run for city council. Do I want it? I'm not, I, I don't want it right now. I think yeah. there's so much you more. You need to stay where you are. I think I am in a good spot right now. That. I'm in a good spot right now with working with these students. I enjoy going to these events. I, I love working. It would have been teachers. fun to watch you run against Juga, though. That I would have enjoyed. I, you know, I'm probably. I think you actually have a shot at beating him because your last name is Desire. I have a good six to ten years until I even attempt that. Um, but uh, at look, this- you're on the smart plan, right? You get on the school committee, you get your feet wet, you learn about government, you put your time in, and then you run later on down the road. I know a lot of people like one of Matias ran for state rep in Lawrence, won, and then before she even took office, announced she was running for Congress. Like you're not even in, you're not even a state rep yet. You're like you're still a private citizen, yeah, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm 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 happy that you're going that route. I th- I think that's a good route for you anyway, um, and I think I think the vote is up. Uh, uh, a benefit from that too. You have somebody that's got some real experience when you decide to move up, and especially with the the uncertainty of other members right now too. I, again, I can't speak on any of them. I don't know their decisions yet. Uh, but I, I wanted to give you hire hire Kiana to work on your campaign. You'll win like it'll be unanimous. Just uh, put her out there with a sign out like just at the right time. Actually, votes for if, you. if you didn't know this, her my, and your wife that would be it. Everybody would be voting. <laughs> I'd, I'd move to Methuen to vote for you. My treasures are Republican, so it has nothing to do with party politics. So. It's it's, uh, you know, a big thing for me is is uh, being there for my community and, and what I can do for them right now. And I think we have a lot of work to do, especially in our grammar schools. We're working on residency checks right now. I'm part of that committee, um, subcommittee, um, to make sure that our students are all represented correctly in Methuen. Um, I'm also part of the subcommittee for the, the capital improvement plans. We have about 3 to $6 million worth of capital improvement plans that we need to get passed. Um, so there's a lot of things that are still on my docket that I want to check off before I walk away. All right, let's take a quick break. I want to uh, have uh, our friend Johnny's here from the uh, uh, Pit Life Barbecue. Did I get that right? Pit Life Barbecue uh, 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 podcast. We've got a couple people here that do podcasts. We've offered it to all of the people that do podcasts here to come up and talk about their podcast on our one-year anniversary show. I appreciate you coming thank in. Thank you, and congratulations. Um, thank one you very year. much. I appreciate it. 19 years. 19 years for paying attention. Congratulations. And uh, we, we, I appreciate having you here, and hopefully you'll come back. Maybe during the election we'll do a debate or something with you guys. Anytime. Sounds good. My work schedule is I'm, I work in Cambridge, so. We've got to get Jana Pesci on here, though. We've had Jada DiNatale. We've had you. Now we've got to get Jana Pesci. Get the whole committee up here. We'll have two blondes up here. It'll be perfect. <laughs> Great colleague. And just get rid of me. Replace me with a blonde. That's the paying attention show, right? You don't need me around. <laughs> Nick DiZaglio from the Midland School Committee. Thank you very much for your time. Thank I'll you. be writing up a story about today's interview uh, when I get back to the office later on. And we will be back with Johnny from the Pit Life barbecue podcast here on the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, High Atop Two Guys Smoke Shop on t- Route 28, Salem, New Hampshire. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Chip, chip your waitress. Auto body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there. He does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to AM Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence. 
on Inman Street. Angela will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three, South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person and you're short... I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha- so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed... Make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. With the, it, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If, you were, if you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can, they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, He specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, He specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Dears Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was a credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North Andover line. As long as Dave's happy, that's all I care about. No, no, no. Don't worry. I know you're looking at the screen saying Kiana's gone. I'm going to tune out. Don't tune out yet. She's coming back. Just ran to the bathroom for a second. Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention Podcast. Hiya, Top Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe as we start our second hour. It's our anniversary show. A year ago today, we started the Paying Attention Podcast. We're in our 19th year of the Paying Attention Show, as we talked about in the last hour. We bounced around to a bunch of different radio stations and one TV station, which we don't mention anymore. Um, and now we're doing it as a podcast, and it seems to be doing well. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, it's super cheap. It's super, super inexpensive. It's $50 a week. It's 200 a month. We put your logo on the front, uh, on the front of the, um, the news desk, and, uh, and I'll even read a uh, commercial for you. In fact, uh, Kiana's going to be reading some commercials for nice. us, too, so it won't just be me. So it won't just be my 
crappy voice through the entire you know the entire news break. Although so, I, I really do like the funeral home one. Well, that's the best. We'll it's keep good. we'll keep that one because yeah. because it's true. Like if I if anything happens to me, I just want to make sure people understand that like we're loyal to people even in death. Right. If I die, if I get shot out there, I want to make sure that Perez Funeral Home gets the business. And I've made a personal commitment to you to make sure. Right. Yeah. We. We. we in fact, I've actually put that in writing. I put that in my okay. healthcare proxy. Want to make sure that that's true. <laughs> right. Want to make sure we get it over to Perez Funeral Home. And uh, and because he's on South Broadway and he had no no heat when the Columbia gas thing happened, his business has gone down. So if you've had a death in your family, please. Uh, Please think about Perez Funeral Home on South Broadway. It's the old Scott's Funeral Home, and want to make sure we get him as much business as we possibly can because he's been good to us. He's been really good to us. Uh, Keanu is back. We have Johnny. Johnny, what's your last name? McGuire. Johnny McGuire. Love that name. <laughs> nice, nice Hispanic name, McGuire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if Johnny McGuire was going to uh, a podcast now at Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe, how many? How many? Eight, ten podcasts you're doing though. How many? 16. 16 podcasts they're doing now uh, because of the genius of Dave Garofalo setting this whole thing up and, and making his uh, uh, making his dream come true to have a podcast studio. One of the podcasts on this network, if you go to Studio 21 podcastcafe.tv. Well, they can go to unitedpodcastnetwork.tv. All the shows are listed there. They can watch them there or listen to them. Listen there. to them. You can also download any of the shows on Podbean, on Spreaker, Spotify, Google Play, uh, iTunes, iTunes, Apple Play, all that other stuff. Um, I actually caught your show um, because I love food mm-hmm. and uh, I, was, I was surfing through and I was I watched Writer's Block only because I, I really like watching Mandra who I was hoping would be here um, and then after hers I, I, I saw your show and, and anything that has to do with food I'm in food and women that's <laughs> it I'm in right I don't drink so those are my vices and um, and, and I thought it was really interesting I, I when I first saw that you were doing a show on on barbecue stuff, I'm like, well, how do you get like a show every week out of that? Like, you do like one show on barbecue, and then you're done. You you somehow found a way to make that really yeah. interesting every week. How how did that? How did it come about? It came about. Um, it actually came about one night. We would we were sitting around the driveway. We were cooking a brisket all day long. Mm. Thanks for the invite, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and late night, you know. One of the guys hopped on the Facebook Live, and we were just doing a video. And, you know, we're t- just talking, you know, diff- what we were using and everything. And a bunch of people from work had seen it. So, of course, showed up for work the next day on Monday, and they, uh, they're like, oh, Redneck TV at its finest. I love it. You know, and they're all laughing. And I'm like, huh, this could be something. Yeah. So I've, I used to listen to sports radio religiously. I stopped because I got I got sick of it. All the all the politics, all the politics, yep. the nonsense. I agree. A, a certain Boston paper going after certain radio hosts and trying to get them fired and back and forth. And, well, there was a game last night. I wanted to hear, you know, yeah, tell interview us the, some tell of those game scores. Tell me a score instead right. of. Oh, this paper is trying to get you fired and back and forth. Forget about it. Yeah, baseball player X said mean things on Twitter, and now it's all a big controversy. Yeah, and I had switched to podcasts. I have always listened to David Garofalo's Cigar Authority for years, and then I just I grew from there and just completely got into listening to the podcast instead of terrestrial radio. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I was I go let me see what they have for a barbecue podcast. And everything I heard was garbage. 
Right. It really was monotone, just this point system. That, take, uh, take, take the sausage and put it, it on the it grill. Was, yeah. There was, there was one guy, he was going restaurant to restaurant, you know, ordering dishes. And, oh, what do you think about this? It's audio. Right. I yeah. can't see what you're talking <laughs> right. about. So I'm like, we can do this. So I had talked to a couple friends, and we got, they're like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And we came and met with Dave, and we got the ball rolling about mid-August, I think it was. So we were expecting you to bring us ribs right from the. <laughs> like I figured, you know, we're gonna have the we're gonna have the uh, the barbecue guy's gonna right. be here. Maybe he's gonna bring in some ribs or something some for barbecue. us. Yeah, we, where, uh, where's the barbecue stuff? <laughs> but we um we we just we just got rolling. That was you know the the thing with with the podcast is just get started. Right, mm-hmm. you know, and also I'd like to say congratulations to one year. Oh, thank you. You know, if, if I'm not mistaken, the the numbers are most people just do one, one episode, and you've been going strong for a year. Yeah. Then which is 19 years for a, a show altogether. That's right. that's impressive. Thank you. Congratulations, great work. It, it came at the price of pissing off an awful lot of people. <laughs> yeah, but if you're pissing them off, you're doing something right. Well, that's my theory, right? <laughs> the station owners at other stations didn't see that. They didn't get. Like, like I'd have a station owner would come in to me and be yelling at me saying, why are you going after the mayor? You know, we have to do business with him, and he, he buys ads at election time. And I'm like, you don't understand. If I'm attacking the mayor, all his people are going to listen. And all the people who were running who were on the campaign against the mayor – they're all going to listen too. I'm bringing listeners in. Let me go after people. It's what I look. You, I don't tell you how to run your station. Don't tell me how to run the show, and we'll get along just fine. It, that usually works at the beginning of every show, every station, <laughs> and by the time it's over, they just want to micromanage everything yeah. that I say. So it's great to be here with Dave because never once has he come to me and said you shouldn't have said that. Never, and never once has he come to me and said whatever you do today, don't say this. And that's the reason why I decided to stay. That's the only reason why I decided to come here because. My show doesn't work if I'm handcuffed. Yeah. And Dave doesn't handcuff me at all, and that's one we, of the reasons. We why. are in the live free or die state. That's true. We are taping in New Hampshire, too. That does help. Yep. You know? Plus, I can smoke. As soon as he said, you can, I said, can I smoke during the show? He said, yes. I said, okay, you had me at smoke. <laughs> that was it. I don't care how much it is at this point. I'm in. Yeah. Thanks to John Berger on, too, because he made this whole thing happen. So talk to me about what are the things that you, some of the stuff that you do on your show. I can't imagine you guys sitting around eating ribs, right? Well, we did have a one episode that we were both off. Again, um, th- again thanks for the invite. The other week, so we, we whipped up some ribs for the show that day. Sounds great. And uh, brought them in. But, you know, we just, um, like I said, we just got together. It was, it was a couple of friends for years. And my partner in the show, Mike Massiglia, or Messy Mike, he owns. Nice Irish name. Yeah. He owns a uh, catering company. Barbecue okay. catering company, Messy Mike's Barbecue, okay. out of Londonderry, New Hampshire. We'll have to try them. And he's Give actually in the process of, he just got okayed by the state. He um, he bought a 28-foot trailer. So he's going to be setting up a location, I believe, in Londonderry. I'm not sure where, starting this April. So he's got the okay from the state and the Board of Health nice. to... Start production of the trailer itself. Nice. Maybe we can get him into the Valley Patriot. Maybe if he wants to do like a crossover ad package with us, we'll write a couple of stories about him. Help yeah. him out. Get him, give him some publicity. You know, as the, the producer of Pit Life Barbecue, the thing I like about the show is really it's meant to be the types of conversations you have around the barbecue pit, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not all food all the time. I think it's there's a lot of uh, witty banter. And yeah. I think 
you know, the relationship he and Mike have is great. Do you guys debate, like, what sauces are the best? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Just go back back and forth. Everything, everything barbecue and everything we'd normally talk around the pit. That's the real the slogan of it. So when Keanu and I are up at the lake, right, mm-hmm. and we're going to throw a couple of steaks on the barbecue, what's the best sauce? What's, what's, what, what's, the, what's the best dressing for a, a big, fat, thick, juicy steak that we're going to throw on the barbecue at the summertime up at the lake? Salt and pepper. That's it? Oh, That's I agree with it. that. Thanks for coming. That's the end of the show. Good <laughs> Thank night. you, folks. That's it. Yeah. Salt and pepper. That's it. No, on like a- special sauce. So- how about ribs? Like, what's the best sauce for ribs? Oh, you can go anywhere. Mm. Yeah. It, it's, it's all, the thing with barbecue, it's all preference. It comes down to what your palate, what you like. What's your favorite? My, my favorite? I, I love the Memphis style. Really? Memphis style, it's, it's a, mainly it's a dry, dry rib. Mm. So it, it's just uh, seasoning rubs, and that's it. Then you, you can get it served with a side of, they'll have a vinegar-based sauce. Or, well, they're all vinegar-based sauce, but... Um, very like strong in the vinegar taste. Then you have more of a sweet taste of a Carolina, you know, Carolina's vinegar too. Uh, with Kansas City, and then you get into Texas, and Texas is just straight. What's the best spicy sauce? If I want to have like a really spicy, I like spicy, right? Because I smoke, I can't taste my food that much, which is why I have to eat like blazed potato chips, right? Because it's the only thing I can taste. Uh, what's the best hot sauce? If I want to throw on like some ribs or some sausages, what's the best like hot spicy sauce to use? As in like a barbecue yeah, sauce? Yeah, yeah. Like if you're barbecuing. It's not a cheap plug, but Messy Mike's hot sauce, <laughs> hot barbecue sauce. All right, it is outstanding. I'm gonna, I'm because I'm, I'm asking because I'm literally yeah. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna buy some. Yeah, and when we're up at the lake, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'll make Keanu do it because I don't like to cook. But uh, or Uncle Frankie throw the throw the stuff, and we'll get we use Messy Mike's barbecue sauce. Me- yeah. Messy Mike's barbecue Here, sauce. Here's a, a shameless plug. Where's it available, John? It is available <laughs> at Bobby and Jack's Memphis Barbecue. In Tewksbury, Massachusetts, or at 1777 Main Street, or right on Route 38, they're uh, they're a sponsor of our show. Great, and they Mike is a consultant with them, and they carry all his sauces. They use his sauces in the cooking process, and he has come up with the sauces that they serve at the tables themselves, and they have it right there. When is your podcast? When can people tune in to see you? Uh, every Wednesday afternoon at five o'clock. Wednesday at five. And where? Where do you podcast and on to? Do you have like you do it on fa- on your Facebook page? You have do, a separate Facebook we, page we, for the barbecue show. Yeah, we do it on. Um, we have uh, Pit Life Barbecue podcast on Facebook. Then we have a, a members page, Pit Life Barbecue. Also on Facebook. And anybody can come in and watch you. You can have like, oh, like yeah. we do. We have a studio audience today for some reason. Yeah. Um, you, can have, you can have people come in and watch you guys do the barbecue stuff. And sometimes you have food. You share the food. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. if we have it. I yeah. might even show up myself. If I know there's going to be food, I'll be here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Time. All right. Very good. Listen, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you being here. Uh, I really like that you're doing the, the, there's so many different types of podcasts that they can't all be political. They can't all be news. And we get guys like you doing, uh, and we also like the snack authority. I was really hoping oh, yeah. to go from the snack authority. Was coming. <laughs> That's the only reason I did this. Um, but uh, but we appreciate. I appreciate that you're here at uh, Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe. I'll definitely pop in and see what you guys are up to. Yeah, they can also catch us on the uh, United Podcast Network TV, mm-hmm. and you know can subscribe to your show, can subscribe to our show, and 
you know, get a little nice community going back and forth. That's great. Listen, anytime you want to come on, you're welcome to come on. If you've got like a big announcement you want to do, happy to. Uh, and hopefully some of the listeners that we have will bleed over and they'll start uh, following you as well. Absolutely. Where can they follow you on Facebook? It's called the Barbecue Pit. Pit, Pit Life BBQ Podcast and Pit Life, ba- Pit Life BBQ. Both of them. One is dedicated to the show itself. Then the the straight Pit Life BBQ on Facebook okay. is members that post their own pictures of their, of their cooks and what they're doing. You don't want to see the pictures of what I do with a, with a barbecue. <laughs> it's just all charcoal. You can't tell the difference between the food on top of the grill and the charcoal underneath. Well, we can change that, Tom. All right. We okay. can change that. All right. Well, I'm going to be watching faithfully. We'll see if you can you can convert me. Absolutely. Listen, I appreciate Johnny. Appreciate, appreciate it. Thank up. you Thanks. so much. Congratulations right. on your one year. That's a Quite the accomplishment. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hope to get there ourselves. Great. Let's let's call, let's call Greg up rather than take a break and then have him come up. Let's call. Let's have Greg come up. There's another uh, podcast here on paying attention. On um, so I'm trying to rush through things too fast, and I shouldn't because I have plenty of time. There's another podcast here on the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe called Success in the 603. And success in the 603 is, I think, kind of an ingenious idea to promote businesses in New Hampshire. And we know that, you know, a lot of businesses move from Massachusetts to New Hampshire thinking it's going to be, you know, paved with gold up here. And then sometimes they find out not so much. So to have a guy that's promoting businesses in New Hampshire that are doing well, I think is a great idea. It helps promote the community. Right, Kiana? Yeah, it's a really good idea. uh, Did you have have any questions for Johnny? Like, you can jump in if you have any questions. Oh, no, I had. Do you want me to go get Johnny? I mean, she's only here to really look good, but if she wants to participate, we'd like to have that, too. It's true. Um, so, Craig Dufton, you do Success in the 603. Tell people about what the show is and when they can find it. Uh, well, our show is every Thursday at 3.30, and we're, we're on the United Podcast Network as well. And um, we, we actually have the pleasure of following Paying Attention. It's been a, been a great ride for me. I get to come in like a half hour, 45 minutes early all the time to, to listen to the end of your show, tailor end of it. Um, I'm actually from Methuen myself. I, I moved to the 603 uh, a little over 20 years ago. Smart decision. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the few smart decisions that I've made. No offense to Nick. No, I grew up, I was a Pioneer staff boy in, in Methuen for a long time. And my father-in-law was Bill Goslin, the uh, athletic director for many years. At, so my mom worked for the school system too. So I'm graduated in 1986, myself at Methuen High. Um, but our, our podcast is basically about, is about Granite Staters that have had success in any, in any area of business or, or the private or public sector. To be honest with you, we, we've interviewed everybody from golf pros to uh, today we have uh, Chef Nicole from T-Bones, the uh, corporate chef, will be here with us at 3.30. By the way, I like T-Bones. In mm-hmm. fact, before my show, if I have a really big guest, we meet across the street at T-Bones. I always judge, and you can tell them when they come on, yeah. I always judge a restaurant by their appetizers. If I go to a restaurant, I don't care how good the meal is. If the appetizers suck, I don't go back. Uh, and so when I go to T-Bones, appetizers are great. They are. They're, they're, they're actually better than TGI Fridays, which is my favorite appetizer place to go. So the fried pickles are pretty yeah, good, too. Yeah, yeah. So, like yeah. I, I, so I'm at T-Bones quite a bit now. So I'm excited to have Chef Nicole on today. That's yeah. going to be a, you know, I was trying to get her to come maybe in here like a little a f- early to bring some food for maybe us. Maybe we can get like a free appetizer coupon yeah. from her or something. You buy one, get one free. We'll do like a review or something. So, uh, congratulations on your one-year anniversary. It's quite an accomplishment. Thank uh, you. As, as someone who's done uh, working on my eighth episode right now, wondering how the ninth one's going to happen. <laughs> right, I, right, I understand right. completely how it goes. You just, so, you just do what I do. You just get it in front of the camera and just make it up as you go along. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a few of those. Dave will be Dave will be our backup. Right, right. And Ed's always. I know uh, that I'm doing well because Ed doesn't talk so much in my show. Right. So that Donna and I are are, are dinging and donging off of each other. The Donna I, Morris, my co-host. I like about that show. I also happen to produce that one. <laughs> oh, okay. 
The, I only like it because of Dawn, quite frankly. Well, the diversity of guests is great. Mm-hmm. You know, they're from all different walks of life. So it's a very diverse show, even though it's interview format. It's not the same thing over and over again. Well, last week. Yeah, had, last week we had the lieutenant from, uh, she was actually pastor, uh, pastor from the Salvation Army for the Greater Dairy Salvation Army. We were helping her raise some money. Uh, the Rotary Club I belong to raised uh, $1,200 for her on Ringing the Bell on Thursday night. By the way, Salvation Army, one of, $1, I always it. tell people don't ever give to charity, right? But there's one or two places that you can give that 100% of what you give actually goes where it's supposed to go. Yep, and Salvation and Army, Salvation is, one Army is definitely one of them. Yeah. Absolutely. They were very short on their budget in the new Greater Dairy area. And so they, they needed to raise about twenty thousand dollars, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping they got there. Yeah, me too. I donated me too. A few I'm a, I'm a myself, big fan but, of the Salvation yeah. Army. There's very very few places you can donate money, and the money that you give goes where it's supposed yeah, to go. Great. Program. Don't give to the Red Cross. Don't give to the United Way. It's a t- it's a, it's a total money pit. The money that you give is never going to go where it's supposed to go. It never it never does. Um, and and all of these all of these concerts that they have, uh, Haiti relief and Japan relief and and any kind anytime there's a tragedy or a hurricane, the money never goes where it's supposed to go. But Salvation Army, it does. So yes. I appreciate them. Yeah, they were, it, it was a great interview. Uh, you know, I love the interview where you just kind of say hello and then. 35 minutes later, everything is wrapping up, and you're right. like, what just happened on the show? And we've, and we've been really blessed to have that in the last seven episodes. Tell me about some so. of the success in the 603, some of the businesses, uh, especially maybe some of the new businesses that you've come to um, that are really doing well in New Hampshire. Well, uh, I, we had two weeks ago, we had Life Science, Life, uh, Fox Life Sciences on with us a couple weeks ago, and what an amazing what an amazing journey he had he went from michigan all the way through cambridge area uh, the medical area there and then finally decided that you know he's going to live in the windham area and have his business in salem because he read about nashua being in the top 50 places to live which is a total lie right but- well you know it got it got that guy here so it worked a little bit all to right. our favor so but now he's now he's made his home here he, he has an online business for um for science gifts as well as he does these amazing takes regular science beakers and all the different instruments that you would use every day makes them easier, disposable, more recyclable, and easier for, for the people that are working with them every day to handle. So wow. Pretty, it's made a better mousetrap, basically, you know? Now, have you had uh, Alex Telcon on your show yet? Nope. Uh, you, January 10th, actually, Oh, so he's going to be January 10th. Yep. He's our friend. He's been very good to the Valley Page. He's been very good to the Paying Attention podcast. He was my guest a couple of weeks ago. Um Give us a preview of some of the other people that are going to be coming on your show. Uh, well, we have, uh, again, Chef, Chef Nicole today. We're going to have uh, Admiral Jim Smith on, on our show in the next couple of weeks. He's a uh, great 9-11 story that he had where he's in NORAD during that, during that whole unfortunate event that we and had. And they, they were tracking Santa on Christmas Eve. Yes, he always tracked Santa. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Uh, he was a, he's a retired Brigadier General. Um, we have, actually, Gene Shaheen is going to be coming on our show. Oh, uh, boy, I'd love to be on that one. <laughs> well, you know, the great, the great part about... Have me on as a guest that week. I am, I, I am you know, I, I'd like to say that I'm a little bit more conservative yeah. myself, but I think I think the great part about our show and your show, too, is with you, as evidence with Nick here, is that, you know, the people that have the chutzpah to come on the show... You know, you really have to give them credit yeah. for, for wanting to come in and learn something. They may learn something new. Sure. I mean, they may not agree. I mean, we're we're probably in the most polarized time in our lives. I mean, I as that. humans, I don't think we could be more polarized. Mm-hmm. But I think the great part about shows like yours and shows, you know, where it's, someone's has an opinion that's not the same as yours is that you can come on that show knowing that you have a totally different opinion than that person, but you can still try to learn something from that person. Right. You know, I think that's important. No, I, I actually have a question for you. Okay. Um, Two and one almost. First of all, 
Um, how, how are you selecting the people that, that you want to highlight to come on the show? And also along with that, is this a platform for, you know, business owners who are in the 603 who would, you know, like to get some information out? Is that something that they can contact you on and, and you um, know, become highlighted? Yeah, there's a little bit of that as long as the story is good behind it. Um, we're not, we're not necessarily here to promote mm-hmm. businesses, but we do have great sponsors. So if they want to, if they want to get promoted that way, that's a great way to do it. But um, we are basically right now, we're just going through word of mouth from other people that we've yeah. been talking to, uh, different stories that I'm looking at and researching every week and he's sending out emails to different people. And, you know, I think the guests that we're going to be coming up in the next 12 or so weeks are going to reflect really the best of, you know, they may not be doing the best things in the world. They're, they're things that you're not going to necessarily think of as success in your own mind, but mm. they are successes in what they're doing. And that's that's what we're trying to highlight is, right. is the success in the Salvation Army, their success in in banking, their success in golf. You awesome. know, we had Joanne Flynn, a professional golfer, on. She's an amazing success story, amazing philanthropist. You know, we're trying to get Joe. We're going to have Joe Farrow on the show. You know, there's a bunch of different people that we're interesting people. You know, they're still out there in the northern and. Luckily, we have this media right now that I can appeal to people. If you do have a great story, please contact us at six S in the six zero three, and we'd love to hear the story of anybody. Yeah, um, you know the, the the thing about free speech is if you don't have a vehicle to get your free speech out in today's uh, in, in today's media environment, you can write a letter to the editor to the Eagle Tribune or the Lowell Sun or the Boston Globe, and if it's five paragraphs long, they're gonna they're gonna publish two paragraphs, right? And they're gonna cut what they want to cut. Uh, it, talk radio is pretty much dead. Right, I mean, you've got Howie Carr, but try getting into his show. You get, you know, at the national level, maybe you get like a Rush Limbaugh or, or a Levin. Try getting into their show. So having a podcast like this and having a vehicle like this that Dave has set up uh, gives people who have a voice a vehicle in order to get it out. Absolutely. And so hopefully that's helping you guys out a lot. I, I think so. I think they're great stories, and that's kind of the one major reason why I got into the podcasting to begin with because I'd listened to all the national success stories. You can hear Jim Rome anytime you want. You can hear, uh, you know, Tony Robbins, all these other people, but you know, you want to hear like New Hampshire success. You want to hear about people that are, you know, like we're going to have Josh judge on our, our, our show, the, the, the meteorologist from WMUR. He's an author. He's got a great story. I mean, these are, these are great stories that people can appeal to him. You know, there may be another young 20 year old Josh judge that's trying to, trying to get out there and become a weatherman. And how do you break into that industry? How do you do the things that you do? Right. So those are the stories we're going to share. Well, listen, tell you, remind people again how they, uh, how and when they can uh, watch your show, where they can find you. I've already, I just posted your uh, your podcast page on uh, on Oh, our thank page you. That's that's a great place to start. Um, again, we're on the United Podcast Network.tv. Uh, you can follow us there. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, we have our own chamber. Uh, we're sponsored by the Greater Salem Chamber, so we're on our chamber podcast too for those people too as well. So we're taking it from a local level, and hopefully we'll stretch it all the way out across the 603. And I fantastic. appreciate you guys having me on here. This no, listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping that you can have a lot of success. I'm hoping all the podcasts here have a lot of success. Um, and, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to us if there's anything we can do to help you out. Appreciate it. And same to you. It. Craig, once, Happy New Year, everyone. Craig, once you have enough success on the podcast, you can interview yourself. <laughs> yeah, right, because you'll be the success in the I can give it. Three. I can give it my best shot. I, right? I don't get along with myself. Just invite me on to that. interview you, and then we'll do it that way. Yeah, there you go. I appreciate it. Well, thanks Thank so much. I appreciate it. Let's Thank take you. another quick break. Uh, Ed Sullivan, and then uh, when we come back, I'm going to bring up John Cuddy. I, did, I, I thought I saw Jonathan walking around. I thought we were going to get him up here, but um, we've, we've lost. Actually, before you go, I got a copy of this. I got a copy of my book for you. And I really should have given one to Nick, but I think he actually bought one. We'll be back after this on Paying Attention. How about it? Does it go for money? 
Premium Auto Body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there, he does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to A&M Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angelo will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three f- South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person in your short... I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha- so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed... Make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. With the, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If, you were, if you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can, they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. He followed us when we go live. He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, he specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, he specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Dears Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was the credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and, um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Velo's Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North Andover line. All righty. Final segment on our one-year anniversary show. It is December 27th. We started last year on December 29th. And we've been doing the podcast for a full year. I can't figure out how it worked, but it did. And we're always looking for sponsors. That helps keep us going. And if you want to buy a crossover package, we want to buy advertising in the Valley Patriot print newspaper. And on this show, we'll give you one low price. Uh, and we'd love to have you in. We'll even write a story about your business. We'll maybe even have you on, on the show as a guest. Um, excuse me. I appreciate Nick DeZaglio. Um, Craig from the 603, Craig Dufton from the 603, Johnny from the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast, um, and of course, Kiana being here uh, is, is always good, at least it, 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 
it excites me. It gets me all going. So we have a we, we have we have eye candy on the show, and I'm ready. We have one more guest here uh, before we bring in uh, Mr. Jonathan. Um, John Cuddy is our our veteran writer. John writes our on the front page of the Valley Patriot. I had one here a second ago, but it's gone. Um, on the front page of the Valley Patriot every month. Thank you, Rich. Uh, we we publish a story about a local veteran. This month, it's a 102-year-old World War II veteran, if you can believe that, right? So this guy's 102 years old. John is a veteran himself, and John goes out and he does what I used to do, but I didn't do a very good job, so I had to find somebody else to do it that could do a better job than me. Uh, John Cuddy stepped up to the plate and said, yeah, I think I'd like to give that a shot. And you've done probably about, what, six or eight months now of, of veterans? Actually coming up on a year. Oh, so this is your one-year anniversary, uh, too? February. February will be your one-year anniversary. February That's fantastic. Anniversary. But I don't think people realize you're a veteran, too. So when you're interviewing these veterans, you're doing it from the perspective of a guy that understands what they're going through. Talk about your military service. Well, unlike uh, Peter, I served in peacetime. I was in four mobile construction battalions. My first deployment was to uh, Adak, Alaska, the middle island of the Aleutian chain. And my last deployment was uh, to El Salvador, helping that nation rebuild after their decade-long civil war. But uh, unlike uh, gentlemen like our uh, hero of the month, uh, Peter Fantasia, I served uh, in the rear with the gear. So, and what, what branch of the military were you in? I was a Navy CB. Wow, you were a Navy CB? Yep. No kidding. I've actually written a couple of stories about some Navy CB. That's a pretty tough job. Uh, I enjoy. I enjoyed it. I retired in '95 and uh, been with FedEx ever since. How How long were you uh, in the uh, armed forces? A uh, little over 16 years. Wow! So yeah. you you didn't just go in for like one or two tours. You were in for a while. No, I served in four different battalions. Wow! So talk about what it's like for you when you're interviewing some of these World War II heroes that were like storming the beaches at Normandy. So for you, it must have been something really, really interesting. Hey, hold that up for a second, uh, Tom. The, the uh, article on Mr. Fantasia. So this is Peter Fantasia, and this is typical of the veterans I've been interviewing all year. These World War II gentlemen are in their 90s, early 100s. Peter's 102. He was captured at the Battle of the Bulge in France, and uh, he was captured uh, along with an uh, Army lieutenant and an Army sergeant. He was a medic. He was tending to the wounded lieutenant and the uh, wounded sergeant. And when the German infantryman came up on him, it's in the article, he says to the sergeant, Sarge, I'm going to move to the right. When I move to the right, shoot him. The German infantryman replied in an American Southern drawl, I wouldn't do that if I was you. The German infantryman, who was a member of the German uh, army, was born and raised in Arkansas. And if you read the article, if you grab a copy of this, uh, this month's Valley Patriot, you can read that this was fairly common. The United States was in a depression in the 30s. A lot of German and Eastern European immigrants, Italian immigrants, moved back to the old country. Because better to be poor and hungry with family than being poor hungry over here. Because it was a worldwide depression. So this gentleman uh, that captured them was born and raised in Arkansas. And if you ever watch the series Band of Brothers, there's a similar incident where they capture some German soldiers. And the sergeant, I believe his name was Malaki, Sergeant Malaki says, where are you from? And he said, Portland, Oregon. The German soldier he captured was born and raised in Portland, Oregon and moved back to Germany before the war broke out. The year of interviewing these World War II vets has been the greatest experience of, of my, one of the greatest experiences of my life. These guys grew up during the Depression. 
Uh, one of the submarinas I interviewed this summer in July didn't wear shoes in the summer to save his shoes for the winter. And we, and we don't grasp that today in America. Right, yeah, well, because we're so rich now, right? We, we don't understand what, what some of the sacrifices were that people uh, in previous generations had to deal with. And th- these gentlemen uh, have been outstanding. I interviewed nine World War II veterans, and then in November for Veterans Day, I chose a young lady who was on active duty, and she joined the Navy when she was 17 and took advantage of what the Navy had Fast forward now, she's in her 30s. She's a commander in the Navy. She went to the Naval Academy. She's a Navy hard hat diver. She's a Navy medical doctor, and she's qualified in submarines. Wow. She went to college, grad school, and medical school with no student loans. She's wow. now, a, now a medical doctor, stationed in Virginia. And I think you have to grab the November Valley Patriot to read that article. And you can always get the previous editions of the Valley Patriot online. If you go to valleypatriot.com, there's a search bar at the top. You type in the word edition with an E-E-D-I-T-I-O-N. And that's how we tag each print edition. So when we upload the PDF of each paper, we tag it with the word edition. So if you go to the top of the search bar and you type in edition, all of the print editions will pop up and you can pick the one that you want to download and read. Jumping back to Peter real quick. uh, He's 102. I had a great conversation with him. The whole article is based on my conversation with him and his two daughters. A couple of months back, his granddaughter, who lost her father a few years ago, needed someone to give her away at her wedding. And at 102, Peter gave his granddaughter away. Wow. That's how tough these guys are. Wow. And it's a different kind of toughness than what we really equate to most people. Now, you guys are putting together some care packages for the troops in Afghanistan, right? And you asked if we could maybe get a donation from Two Guys Smoke Shop. Uh, to send over to, for the troops. And we asked Dave Garofalo, it's against the law. They're not allowed to donate cigars anymore. Oh, no, there's a lot of things that are against the law. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I was an outlaw in Boston on uh, Christmas Eve. I had a plastic bag in my hand. Oh, no, not that. Yes. Did you have uh, a straw, too? Yeah, yeah, uh, You're Boston, a double, double felon. Boston's outlawed plastic bags. But every month, I, I send a care package directly to troops in Afghanistan, and January will be the last one for Afghanistan because they're rotating back that unit. And in January, I'm picking up a unit that's in Bosnia. Wow. And I, um, I put peanuts and whatever. A lot of different merchants donate different things, T-shirts and things like that. And I throw them in the care package and I send them over there. Well, maybe one of our viewers, one of our listeners uh, will hear this. And it's not illegal for them to buy cigars and donate it to you. It's just illegal for the cigar company to, uh, to guys smoke shop to donate it. So maybe somebody out there has got a couple of hundred, maybe a hundred bucks or so, and they want to buy a, uh, a box of cigars to donate to our troops over in Afghanistan. That would be great. I would, I would appreciate that as a personal favor. And, and we, that. and this is, you know, through the American Legion and Drake, we send a care package over once a month to a deployed unit and it, We've been doing it, believe it or not, for um, since 9-11, 17 years. Wow. That's way too long. But um, And you're involved in the Boy Scouts, too. You invited me to a, uh, a Boy Scout flag burning. Uh, not, not the flag burning people would imagine. Uh, but when, when flags are turned in because they've touched the ground or they've gotten, uh, uh, they've gotten torn and tattered, uh, the, Boy, the Boy Scouts will, uh, will burn the flags in, in, uh, in, out of respect. That's something we do in conjunction with the Drakeit American Legion. The Drakeit Boy Scouts, there's five scout units in Drakeit, and the Drakeit American Legion 
work together, we have a flag retirement station behind the Legion that's open 24-7. So if you're driving by the Legion and you have an old worn-out flag, it doesn't have to be American. It can be state flag, uh, county flag, city flag, whatever. You drop the flag in the bin, and then the Boy Scouts periodically throughout the year have a public ceremony where they solemnly retire the flags, which is the correct way is to burn them. And uh, we, we, we do it on Flag Day. We did it on Veterans Day. We'll do it several times throughout the year. But for those of you who have worn-out flags or unneeded flags, drop them in the bins. The American Legion's on 574 Broadway in Dracut. Go behind the building. You can't miss it. It says flag retirement, turning your flags there. And there's two metal bins. You just put them in one of the bins, and the Boy Scouts will take care of it from there. That's a joint effort between the Dracut Boy Scouts and a natural partnership with the Dracut Legion. I, I have to be honest with you. I may have to go back to writing the – I may have to give you a month off and go back to writing the Hero Veterans uh, column just so I can write one about you. Uh, I'm, I'm desperately focusing on the World War II veterans mm -hmm. because they're, they're dying very fast. very fast, and their stories are fascinating. Uh, one submariner I talked to was in the Caribbean throughout the war, saw no combat until the day Germany surrendered. On the day Germany surrendered, his submarine was depth-charged and almost sunk by the U.S. Coast Guard. Mm. So he was on a U.S. Navy submarine in the Caribbean on VE Day, the day Germany surrendered. The U.S. Coast Guard nearly sunk him. Wow. By accident, I'm sure. Yes, yes. By accident. It wasn't like he was sleeping with the guy's girlfriend. No, no. decided to go after But um, their stories are just... They're, this gentleman being captured by a, a, a gentleman from Arkansas who was in the German army. Right. Their stories are just unbelievable. And they're such modest men. They did it, came back, and raised their families. One gentleman I interviewed was on a destroyer in the Battle of the North Atlantic. He's in an assisted living in North Andover. And his wife died in his arms after 75 years of marriage. These guys are patriotic. They were loyal to their country, loyal to their wives. A lot of them worked in the same job their whole life. They complain about nothing. Wow. And uh, they're just an unbelievable group of guys. So with Tom's permission, I'm going to stay focused on the World War II vets because sure. the, the clock's running out on us. Gotcha. Well, we're going to be – we have our, our, our book, uh, Heroes in Our Midst, which is a compilation of all of the uh, veteran stories that we uh, have published in the first 13 years of the Valley Patriot. Uh, now that we've got two more years under our belt, we're approaching our 15th anniversary in March. Uh, we're working on Volume 2, which is going to include almost all of your material, all of your material. Um, and uh, so I want to thank you for your dedication um, as, a, as a hero in our midst, as a Valley Patriot, because you, like many other veterans, went off and served your country and then came back and continued to serve. And that's actually the criteria that we have for honoring veterans who go off, they, they sacrifice and then they come back, and then they continue to sacrifice for their communities. Well, if any veterans are out there looking to do something that will take up very little of their time, on the third Saturday of the month, at 1 o'clock, the Drake and American Legion meets. We welcome all veterans. It's around $40 to join. If the only thing that's stopping you from joining is the $40, come on by. We'll work something out. And uh, you do dishes in the back. Well, we want all veterans, male, female, all eras to come by, join the Legion. It's a lobby group. We, we wrote the first GI Bill in 45, way before my time, but we actually authored the first GI Bill. And we, and we need all veterans to come by and, and join the Legion 
Uh, it's the third Saturday of every month, unless it's a major holiday that Saturday. Uh, there's a great group of men and women down there, and uh, come on by and, and check it out. Uh, third Saturday. Give of us January. a preview of who you're doing for who you're doing for next month, because uh, next month you we're de- on deadline week. By you, the way, you definitely uh, articles done. Okay, good. Um, I don't miss my deadline. No, I can say the one thing about John Cuddy. He's the only guy I don't have to chase for his. It's like Paul. I'm, I'm five minutes before I go to print. I got to call Paul looking for his column. John's always on time, sometimes but, uh, early. You want to grab the January very Valley Patriot because this gentleman was involved in the Manhattan Project and the testing of nuclear weapons. And um, he's French-Canadian and is an interesting bent in his article. His commanding officer rounded up French-Canadian airmen for this project. And I don't want to give the whole thing away, but it had something to do with the base hockey team. So they scoured the Army Air Corps and the Air Force looking for French Canadians because they had a a base hockey team. Wow. So we're going to see you on April 5th at our Big Valley Patriot Bash, right? Because we've we've tasked you with doing something. We're going to keep somebody in the room that's going to be getting an award. So we want to make sure that you're there because that's your job, right? I thought it was in March. Well, our anniversary is in March, but we couldn't get the reliefs in on a March date. For some reason, for so the first the, time in 15 years. So it's going to be April 5th. So April 5th, I'll mark my calendar. Awesome. John, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for what you do happy for, for all happy the Happy New Year. Happy, happy, happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas. Happy Kwan- well, Kwanzaa is not a real holiday, right? Get myself in trouble. I can't have one show without getting myself in trouble. Uh, we have one more guest before we bounce out to you. We've got about 15 minutes left. And um, it, it's not quite as good as having the girl on from Snack Authority, but jo- but our, our former producer, Mr. Jonathan, is with us, the voice of God. That's right. And uh, you do a couple of shows here. You do Cigar Authority, but screw that. I want to talk about uh, Snack Authority because I was hoping – that uh, I don't even know what her name is, but she's so beautiful. Her name is Jessica. She's the only reason I watch a show, quite frankly. <laughs> um, it, it, I started watching for the snacks, but then once I saw her, I'm like, I'm definitely watching every single one of these shows. Um, and I even came prepared with these Blaze. I'm not getting paid for any of this, but uh, Dorito Blaze potato chips, you can't find them anywhere. I actually tasked a girl... Uh, Melissa, she's wonderful. Melissa Montalvo uh, goes that's, out. That's Blaze Girl. Blaze Girl, right? <laughs> she goes out before before my show once a week. She goes and she she drives everywhere to find me a bag of Blaze chips to bring me for my show, so I have them on the show. You know, Tom, I know people. There's a chance we could get you on a, a special Doritos episode. Really? The snack at the. Uh, I'd be all for as long as Jessica's there, though. I well, she's there every week. Okay, all right. Well, that's you're all set. I mean, I'm pretty sure because she's as beautiful as she, she gets hit on everywhere she goes. So this won't be anything new for her. No, no, right. So you also have other shows that you do. By the way, when is Snack Authority? When do they? Snack Authority is Saturday mornings at ten o'clock oh, here at the Studio Twenty. That's why I've never Cafe. been here. I'm not even in bed yet at that point. Yeah. Well, you can just yeah. swing in from work. There- there, right, yeah. Bang there out an is episode. one week where we need to pre-record, so I'll be in. All touch. right, yeah, yeah. I could do that if you want to do it like in a real time, like you know, one in the afternoon. <laughs> then maybe I could do that. You know, there are two ten a.m. There's two ten o'clocks every day. There is, there is. I could do it at ten p.m. That I could do. <laughs> I could do it at 2 a.m., but 10 a.m., yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw 10 a.m. Um, but you have another show, which actually was one of the first shows on Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. I know something that Keon is very interested in, cigars, uh, and it's called The Cigar Authority, right? That's right. So talk about that. Yeah, like, do, where can people uh, watch it, and what's it about? It's on from noon to 2 every Saturday. Uh, you can be caught on just about any podcast catcher, iTunes, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. 
Uh, we talk about some legislation, cigar news, regulation. Uh, we get people to sign up at cigarrights.org so that uh, cigar smokers can have a voice in uh, Washington. And uh, other than that, it's dick and fart jokes and pulling odd flavors out of cigars and just having a good time. And you guys have even more viewers than I do. Like, you have more listeners to your podcast than we I have, do. We have quite a few, yeah. It's How in, much? In the, what, what, in the range your... of uh, between twenty and 30,000 oh, per episode. I'd love, to, I'd love to be up there somewhere in that neighborhood. Like, I'm happy. We did, what, 100,000, uh, like 120,000 for the year, right? That was for the whole year. Well, you got to remember, we're, we're close to nine years in. Right. You know, you just keep building the audience and you hope you don't piss anyone off right. too much. <laughs> so now, why did you leave as my producer? That's uh, the one thing that's really been, I mean, I cried when I found I've decided to go Democrat. And, oh, uh, sure. uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, then that was a smart decision. <laughs> then I think I am okay with that. No, uh, I just, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't brought in to Two Guys Smoke Shop to be a producer. I was filling in. Uh, so we had Stu here for a little while. He I liked do Stu. It. Like, Stu's, what happened to Stu? He just left. He, yeah, he just, just left me. He's a busy, busy man. Yeah. He so, left me. Uh, Everybody leaves me. But we got Ed Sullivan. He's a professional. I, I, and Ed's doing a good job. It's I, not, not take away from Ed. does no, a great job. And I won't leave you. I, all right. You I promise? Have loyalty. All right. You promise? He does. Well. I'm going to hold you to it. You're going right, to have I'll to promise. Stay. Okay. He's Is gotta, it because, do you, do you like Ed less than me because he doesn't take it a task on certain stuff? If he doesn't agree with you, he just keeps silent? Um. Yes. Okay. I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> he, he does call me the voice of purgatory. Yes. Voice of purgatory. There's a reason we, for We've moved him down just a little bit. There's a reason for that. So you're on other shows, though. Like, every once in a while, I'm, I'm tuning, I'm, I'm flipping through on United Podcast Network, and I see Cigar Authority, and there's Jessica, and so, of course, I watch it. And then I, I see Cigar Authority, and I see you and Dave, and I watch. But then I see you on other shows, right? I pop in from time to time. I've been on the Don't Do It Yourself podcast before. Uh, I've been on political TNT as a voice only. Um, by the way, is that not like the best show? I mean, I know you have your own show, but is political TNT not like the best show on this network? I, really, including mine, I think they're the best show on this it's, network. It's very entertaining. Yeah. It's very entertaining. Is Tom and Nancy Troy just screaming at each other for a half an hour and sometimes even coming to fisticuffs? Yeah, and, and it doesn't stop when the show's over either. No, they no, go, that's the best they part. They continue to go at it Because sometimes, sometimes they'll tape before me and I'm coming in and they're still fighting. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, wow, you guys still doing your show? And they're like, no, we went off half an hour ago. <laughs> Yeah. But, but they're they, always good again by the start of the next show. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're brother and sister, and that's the way I grew up. And I've said this before. Um, you know, I grew up, Kiana, Kiana, Kiana and I grew up in a family where um, you could disagree at the kitchen table and, and you could yell and scream about abortion or the death penalty or whatever it is that you disagreed on. But when it was over, you were still family, you still loved each other, and everybody went off a coffee. And that's the that's the essence of what they've captured on their show, which I it think is. is what makes it so great. It is. It's very good. today, if somebody disagrees with you, you're a bad person. Right. Like till today, if you're for abortion and someone's against abortion, well, you just suck. You're a bad person. I don't even want to talk to you. And yeah, you don't just get unfriended on Facebook. You get unfriended in real life right, because you yeah. believe a different way. Right. And I think that's really kind of sad for, for the culture that we're in. And I think they're kind of bringing back what it was like to be able to disagree vehemently, to fight with each other vehemently, and still be friends. Yes. You know? So I try to incorporate that into you. Talk about some of the other shows here. On, uh, well, we've got uh, Ambitious on the network. All right. Let's stop with, right there. Uh, Katie <laughs> MF Boyd. She's uh, a pistol man. I know. She's a pistol. I know. We're we've been a- aside to- from the fact that she's smoking hot. She's smoking she hot. She is very bright and very driven. I don't get points for that. 
That's okay. I only, give, I only give points for looks. I'm a very shallow you, person. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, but yeah, she's so driven and she has her little group of ambitches yeah. that come up and watch the show and her following on social media is when pretty When does she tape? Because maybe I just have to like come she into the is, studio audience. Uh, uh, is it Tuesdays? See, <laughs> yeah, we see her every Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday at eleven. Not touching that one. Two at eleven a.m. Yeah, I might be able to do eleven. You I don't take know a little if nap I can, and then come yeah, in. Yeah, I might be able. To, eleven a.m. is a lot easier than ten a.m. It sure as hell never going to be seeing me at nine a.m. That's for sure. Right. No, that'll never happen. So at eleven a.m. and she talks about like what she like. I, I just turn the sound off and just watch. She's very focused on. Uh, women being women and I'm all for being, that being okay with being a woman and being okay with being a driven woman and being oh, outspoken man. so she and just she's not like a feminist be, right like she's not going to be she's, she's not going to be offended no at the no fact no that she's I not a hashtag me too or okay, she's a right. if the guy really gets under your skin or touches you or looks at you in the wrong way you punch him in the mouth like she's that girl she's Why? about redefining the word Bitch, to I see. mean being in total charge of herself. Ah, I see. Or himself. I see. She's, she's, well, because I'm, I, I'm an honorary and bitch. Yeah, so I know you are. I'm in. <laughs> I've often said that about. Yeah, you. I follow her. We've been trying. I've been trying to work out a way that we can like do like a crossover where she can be on my show, I can be on her show. Um, except I, I just, I, if she's bringing her husband though, I'm just, I'm out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I at least need to pretend that she's single while I'm sitting here flirting with her. You can look out and see Mr. Taekwondo staring at me. I can't handle that at all. Yeah, he's a kung fu master. It's like dating a cop's girlfriend. You just don't do it. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, the, some of the other shows here on uh, Studio 21. We've got Podcast the Ash Holes uh, that tape on Wednesday nights at 4 p.m. There's the Writer's Block, which is my wife's podcast. Yes. Uh, you've been on the podcast. I have. And that's why one of the, we wanted them to come on today. We were hoping they would be here. I was hoping they were going to show up too. But my yeah. wife is out getting uh, some sort of cryogenic soak going yeah, I was on. more interested in Mandra coming, but... I don't blame you. She's yeah. hot. She's hot. She's hot. And... We've got uh, Tom and Nance have another show, the Don't Do It Yourself podcast. Yeah, yeah, he mentioned he mentioned that that's that's for uh, contractor referral. Yeah, like you don't you don't want to like you know try and redo your own cabinets because you're just going to screw it up. Hire somebody that's that knows right. what they're doing. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Like I'm horrible at all of that stuff. I hire people to like do my grocery shopping. I don't <laughs> I don't do anything in my house or in my office. Seriously, I have a grocery girl. I've got a cleaning girl. I don't do anything for myself anymore. But this, so so the, I love the concept of don't do it yourself because it gives me an excuse to not do anything. Well, and all the contractors are vetted by Tom and Nancy Troy. They either know them personally or they've done some extensive background checks. Mm -hmm. so and they offer a discount. That's to correct. People who mention the oh, show, great. ten percent discount. Great. We got. We have to find a way to make some money off of all these all this crossover yeah. stuff. Maybe we can get some advertising on it. We'd be great, that. right? Uh, we also have the Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe show. A uh, new show coming up called The Dueling Comedians, featuring comedian Tony V, and he'll be bringing in a guest. Coming nice. on, that's one you're going to want to subscribe to now. Go on to iTunes, type in Dueling Comedians, and uh, hit the subscribe button because that show is going to be off the hook. January 8th will be the premiere. Nice. Excellent. Uh, Friends in Recovery, the uh, drug addiction recovery podcast. Addiction recovery podcast. Now, who's running that? Is that Phil Leahy? That is uh, Mike Miles and Ed Chanchio okay. from uh, the Genesis House okay. in Florida. I know they're affiliated with Phil Leahy. I, I, I think actually, they are affiliated with I'd them. actually love to come in on their show at some point and, and talk to them. They would love them. to have you. Yeah. Uh, you got Easy Money New England with... Um, Brian D'Amico. D'Amico. Thank you. And uh, the Real Estate House Party featuring Rick Carter, uh, attorney. Um, no, paralegal. Paralegal extraordinaire, extraordinaire Kathy Holtzhauser, and comedian Tony V. 
Yeah, and, and rounds they, out the, they uh, often the lineup. Have other comedians in. Lenny Clark was he's been in a few times. Mm. Artie Januario, if you know Artie, so it's I, a good I, show. Yeah, uh, well, excellent. Listen, uh, uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite podcasts besides Tom and Nancy Troy is Dave's talking about how you can do your own podcast. Because right. as I said earlier, if you have a voice, but you have no vehicle to get that voice out in today's technology market, you, you might as well just be standing out in the middle of the world and just talking to yourself. Correct. And Dave has given, Dave has created a, an outlet, a vehicle for people to get their voices out, to be whatever it is, whether it's barbecue pits, whether it's businesses in the 603, whether it's cigars, whether it's snacks, whatever it is that you want to do. So if you're interested in doing your own podcast, I have a feeling someone's just going to steal Keanu away from you like before the, before the rest of the I, year is over. I think she's loyal. Yeah, she is, but I have a feeling that they're going to be recruiting her to do like her own podcast stuff because let's just look at her. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, and she also happens to be very bright. Not again, I don't, again, I don't give points. I don't give points for bright. I don't give personality points. I don't give points for how hot somebody, some girl works. I only give points for looks. But some other people do. I'm sure some other people do, and I respect that. So that's one of the reasons why I just kind of play along. Fair enough. You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. So, uh, well, listen, you were our first producer here on the Paying Attention podcast. And uh, we are uh, ending our first year with you being a, a guest here on the Paying Attention podcast. Hopefully, we're going to be able to make it another year so we can go right into our 20th year of Paying Attention I think show. you'll have no issue. Yeah. It's all going to depend on advertising. And we, we actually lost one advertiser over the year over the Steve Saber situation, right? Uh, so we need to replace him. We have one spot for, a, uh, for an advertiser. Um, we do appreciate Paul Lambert. We have to cut a commercial for him. He actually does sponsor the show. We don't do a specific commercial for him, but we throw his stuff down there and uh, dental partners. But hopefully we can have you on the show again. I mean, I actually like being able to promote the other podcasts here on my podcast because I think a rising tide lifts all boats. Oh, of course. I think, you know, having, uh, having my audience be ex- exposed to what you guys do, uh, what, uh, what they do with the uh, barbecue pit, what they do with success in 603, snack authority, all that. Uh, I think what you guys do is valuable. I think it's valuable for the community. I think it's valuable for the industry. Well, it really is about people getting their individual voices out there. And I love the idea of being able to cross-pollinate from one platform to another. Right, right. And, Tom, just so you know, the over-under for the year was you losing three advertisers. Right. So you hit the under, which was great. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm surprised we have any advertisers, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm not, because you, you deliver a very consistent product. You are who you are. And some people, and we've, I've had this conversation with many people who meet you, and they're a little put off by your... Uh, I don't want to say aggressiveness, but you're very right up to the line. This is who you are all right. the time. Right. And then they get to know you and they're like, you know what? He's not a bad guy. Right. Well, don't be telling people that. I don't tell them. Okay. They, they right. come to their own conclusion. I don't right. force it down their throat by any stretch. Yeah. I prefer if they think I am a bad guy and then that way they just kind of stay away, you know? But uh, <laughs> Unless they're willing to pay. Well, yeah, if they're willing to pay, then we'll, they be, can we'll be happy to be nice to you. <laughs> Quite frankly, listen, I'm surprised that we're getting ready to celebrate our 15th anniversary of the Valley Patriot in March uh, because when we first started this paper, I was in, I was in Boston Radio and I, I convinced my boss to lay me off and I figured I'm going to be laid off for like six or eight months. If it doesn't work, I'll go back to radio. And we were in the black from the very first month. And even, even after that first month's success, I turned to my girlfriend Paula at the time and said, yeah, boy, I'll tell you, if, if only we could be like this every month, 
well, we'd be we'd have a successful newspaper, but you know this isn't going to make it a year. I mean, because we were just pissing off everybody. The mayor was mad. The city councils were mad. We were getting death threats. And here we are, like, approaching our 15th anniversary, and we're still around. You know, no thanks to Methuen Mayor Jim DeJugal, who's trying to shut us down. Uh, we still have challenges every day, but uh, we're still here. And uh, I'm, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked that the show is still on. I'm shocked that the paper's still going. No, you're fighting for all the right stuff. And uh, the most important is the First Amendment right to free speech. And that's my favorite part about you is that you don't shut anybody down. Anyone can come on the show anytime they want. Right. And they can express their opinion. And you can disagree with them. But you can leave the show, friends. And I dig that about you. Yeah. And, you know, when the whole thing with Steve Saber happened... You know, I did kind of feel bad. I'll, I'll admit now, I did kind of feel bad that maybe his wife, you know, felt bad about what I said. But then we offered the opportunity. Why don't you just come on the show? We'll work it out. Like, come on. We'll talk about it. You can call me an a-hole or whatever you want to do. Um, I probably would have even, even apologized had he been man enough to do that. And then we could have talked about other stuff. We could have talked it through and could have showed people at home what grown-ups do. Uh, he had no interest in doing any of that. He had no interest. He would rather demonize me in other platforms. He'd rather have his family go on. Facebook and say, I, I uh, well, what is it that they claim that, uh, uh, that I, I wished his wife would get raped? That was, that was what was posted online, that I, that I came on my show and I, and I said that I wished that Steve Saber's wife got raped. Which That's is not, said. This is, which is not, not even, what you said. Not even close to not what I said. Close. And so it was just kind of like, you know, there are, there are people that don't want to come on. They don't want to face the tough questions. Sometimes even they're just, they're just embarrassed by their own behavior and they just want to forget that it ever happened. I always thought that being an adult, being mature, you sit down, you work it out. You sit down, you have a conversation, you try and find something you have common with, you try and work it out. And when you walk away, hopefully there's no bad feelings. Um, A lot of people have come on the show, they'll never come back. That's on them, as far as I'm concerned. Amen to that. So, Mr. Jonathan, thank you for coming. Thanks for having uh, me. Kiana, thank you for being here today. You're going to be here next week, too? Every week. She's going to be here every week. Did you hear that? She's going to be here every week. That is awesome. And hopefully we can get Maddie and Meredith back. Then it'd be awesome. We'll, be, we'll have a little <laughs> ambitious show going on here. Uh, I want to thank Rich Russell, our, our uh, photographer uh, extraordinaire at the Valley Patriot. Always uh, always reaching out and helping us out in every way that he can. John Cuddy. Thank you uh, for your service, John. Uh, a hero veteran who writes our hero column. Uh, Craig Dufton. Did I get that right, Craig? Craig uh, uh, does the success of the 603. And Johnny from Bob- is it Barbecue? Pit, Pit Life Barbecue. Pit Life Barbecue. Sorry, I knew I was going to screw that up. Here on the uh, Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We will see you next year, which would be like next week, right? And uh, we're going to have a very special guest next week, so make sure you tune in. Thank you, Ed Sullivan, for being our producer. But mostly, thank you to Jonathan Bergeron for making this show happen. And thank you to Dave Garofalo for having the balls to not only put me on, but to keep me on when I get out of line. (laughs) The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.